inside the virtual hardwood. It's the NLSC podcast, episode number 304. We're almost at the end of 2019, halfway through December now. We're also pretty much at the end of a decade as well. Indeed, just half a month away from the end of the uh, 2010s. It's a good time to look back at the generation that was, the decade that was, and of course, look ahead to the future as well. But first things first, I'm Andrew, with you as always. With me again this week is Derek, aka D for 3. No, thank you for having me again. Um, pretty exciting topic, actually, to go over uh, with the uh, Xbox X being announced, Xbox Series X. So um, let's get to it. Absolutely. Before we get to that, there is some quick news about a new patch for NBA 2K20, patch 1.09, basically just a quick fix uh, update for various issues in uh, my career, the neighborhood and all the connected modes and uh, my team. One thing that is uh, of note this time, uh, D, is that uh, we actually have patch notes. It's not just many, many fixes. It's uh, a list of fixes, which is uh, it's, it's kind of funny that we've gone to the point where that is uh, good communication when we actually get patch notes. Part of me, uh, yeah, part of me thinks that the reason why we're getting uh, patch, like we, we're not getting that statement at the end that says many more fixes or many, many more fixes is because there's not really any gameplay fixes that are coming down it sounds like they're more related um uh, admittedly i haven't had a chance to take a look at them but it sounds like they're um more mode related as opposed to like in between the lines yeah related that, is that pretty correct? pretty pretty much yeah it's uh it's things addressing issues with specific specific animations getting unequipped when entering the neighborhood hot zones being displayed properly uh they've updated some of the ninja style headbands they've taken them out since the nba has banned them um what you can still equip them in uh in my career but that for, for regular players and the regular rosters. A proper amount of boosts are now consumed upon completion of a My Player Nation game. Uh, my team users can once again quickly sub in their bench lineups in one action, and when two players form a duo in my team, the duo cards, uh, their badge upgrades are now visible on the player card when viewed. So some uh, quality of uh, experience updates, I suppose, some presentation updates, and a few couple of other little uh, technical fixes there. So nothing too exciting, just, just quality of experience uh, updates which is nice to see but yeah there's nothing about uh gameplay there so yeah i i think you're right on that yeah i think the the, the thing is is first off we're not going to see many more gameplay fixes at all i i don't think for the rest of the cycle agree um yeah and is that this is usually the way it goes i know 2k16 had some patches late in the game cycle which were needed and it really improved the um, performance of the game game um the on-court action but as far as um getting flack and i think you'll agree i think the things that get the most flack are not anything to do with like mode updates unless they're unless they're against the consumer base like you know upping the cost of vc or or whatnot but what gets the most flack is you know when they say that they buffed the shooting or they've um they've made adjustments certain adjustments to the defense and and stuff like that and and when those items get put on the patches in the patch notes, people will complain about them or, oh, it was fine before. Why did you mess with it? Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And, we and there's never really, never really any yeah. specifics either sometimes. But then it's like we buffed it this percentage or this is exactly how it's changed, just as adjusted shooting or whatever. And it's, it does not, doesn't really tell you how. And it leaves us to speculate and people to see what they want to see. And, and as you say complain or or whatever yeah yeah exactly and and i think i think we've we've talked about this and it's good to not have too many gameplay patches anyway 
unless the game is mostly broken on release or well, if it feels like a finished product. The, the classic example of too many or too few patches, I go back to NBA Live 10, which after the second patch broke the game, basically. The AI, if, if the play broke down, the AI just dribbled out the shot clock, didn't know what to do. So you'd have uh, Shaq launching a three because he got the ball at the three-point line and, uh, and and the play broke down. And he just dribbled it out and shot a three to, to beat the shot clock. And uh, also a weird alley-oop to the... There's always the, the start throwing alley-oops to the perimeter and go into this slow-motion layup on the, uh, from the mid-range sometimes. And, and of course, that was the last patch we got for NBA Live 10. So it, it's, it's good that we have as many patches as we do to fix issues when they fix them and when they're needed to fix them these days. But definitely don't want to leave it broken. Exactly. Like we talked about, um, like we talked about on the other podcast was the whole uh, people getting upset that, you know, why are we nine patches in in two months when the game should have been finished when it was released or these things should have been identified before the release Um, or, you know, why was this game released with all these issues? So those are the things that people get upset about when they see so many patches. But if you remember correctly, kind of like you said, the last patch on the live 10 cycle, Live, um, excuse me, 2K17 had a late patch that hurt the game. And it was one of the last patches that they put in, and it hurt it for the rest of the cycle. It was, it made the players feel a little bit more heavier, heavy, a little bit heavier and sluggish. And it changed some of the dribbling mechanics where you would not be able... The, the dribbling basically wasn't as smooth after the patch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I think, and again, that was just like the live situation. It was, I think it was the last patch that they put through and it hurt the game. Yeah, same thing with NBA Live 19, that the shooting that they've adjusted because of the, they've adjusted for multiplayer, online multiplayer, but for single player, it's, it's really just ruined shooting. Yep. Yeah, no, I, and, and I, uh, I saw people talking about that a little bit after on Twitter too, to kind of echo what you and I were saying is that, and, and I may uploaded videos of, the demo and when the game uh, um, itself was first released. By the way, nothing feels better for Live 19 than the demo. Mm. The demo gameplay was best, um, at least for me. I even uploaded a game play video that, that said, NBA Live 19, this game is so fun. And just, it was highlights of me and my brother playing against each other. Um, but the shooting mechanics and, um, excuse me, the shooting timing changed, um, like you said, later in the, in the, in the game cycle. And, the shooting just didn't feel good anymore. Do you think we'll get any more updates for NBA Live 19? I, I, I personally don't think we will. I don't. I think that... And honestly, I hope not. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think I, I just want them 100% focused. I know that there's different teams and different dev teams, and people are working on different things and there's going to be people that are going to be trying to keep the servers up for live 19 and all of that stuff i just really want them focused on their next game no badly. That's, that's that's a great point because nba live 21 does need to be be specially and we've said that about live 18 and 19 and we're saying it about nba live 20 but it really does and with the new generation looming we it, there's been such a setback and uh i'm not sure if you've read my uh my retrospective NBA Live 06 as part of our 25th anniversary of NBA Live celebrations. But you can see that turning point of how the PC version, and we talked about it on the on the 25th anniversary podcast show as well, that the PC version, PS2, PC, same version basically, except of course you couldn't mod the PS2 version, uh, it was such a strong release, the last really strong release across the board for 
NBA Live, and yet the, the launch on the new generation was a disaster, and we saw the same thing with Live 14 as well. Uh, they really need to hit the ground running with this next generation, and uh, we'll get into that, I suppose, as we talk about the next generation, but I, I want to see that strong start from both Live and 2K on the next generation, uh, because cause I felt even with 2K14 that it launched kind of bare bones as well, c- compared to its PC and PS3, Xbox 360 release. So I think, uh, yeah, I want to see that uh, that effort really go into the games being that, as we say, the the, the fully formed, well-rounded product. Uh, it, it really has to be that way on that generation because we've seen, you know, as, for all the great things this generation, and we'll get into it shortly, is all the great things we've seen on this generation, it's kind of been a bit of a disappointing one with some of the, the way, some of the direction that the games have gone, I feel. No, absolutely. And I want to make a point, too, about the difference between... 2K for 2K13 to 2K14 when they when they embarked on the Xbox One and PS4 and the difference between Live 19 and then going to Live 21 um, possibly on the next generation of consoles when 2K went to 2K14 and hit the Xbox One and the PS4 they already had so much momentum yeah they with 2K13 was incredibly popular um, the gameplay was sound. Everybody liked the game. They liked the modes, all of that stuff. And basically, they already had so much momentum that they were riding on going into 2K14 that um, the only thing that could really mess them up is if they really screwed up the gameplay. Like, between the lines, the feel of the on-court action. And while it was bare bones, 2K14 on the court, in between the lines, looked and felt great yeah and so it made up for the lack of of depth now with live 19 moving to next gen they have a little bit of momentum going by from the gameplay from live 19 but not even close to what 2k 13 had and despite higher reviews from places like ign and GameSpot and uh pc gamer or whatever in in those different companies overall it didn't move the needle that's right. So Live 19 is coming from a completely different place from 2K th- than 2K13 to 2K14. Basically, they're still cl- like they're still facing an uphill battle, so they can't just make a game that has good gameplay. They need to c- come in strong with a well-rounded product in order to get more demographics in and get more people looking at the game and stuff like that. And I think you could probably agree with that because it's almost night and day, the comparison between 2K13 to 2K14 and then Live19 and what they need to do with Live21. Absolutely. And it's it's funny, NBA Live finds itself in a very similar position, obviously, although I think Live10 was a stronger, well-rounded product than, uh, than Live19 on the whole, even though Live... Obviously, there are some major moves forward with online and so forth with uh, NBA Live 19 compared to NBA Live 10. But, but it's a very familiar position for EA as, as getting that, that content into the game and, and, the, and the gameplay and the depth of the modes. It's a very, very, very familiar territory for them. 2K, is, I think, is very interesting as it uh, wraps up this generation and looks to the next and this decade, even decade of generation uh, kind of coinciding here. It still has the brand strength, in fact, stronger than ever as far as sales and recurrent revenue and, and everything and, and brand recognition. Um, it's it's very very mainstream, probably more probably more mainstream than NBA Live ever was, even at, at its height, because at the time gaming was still kind of niche. Sports gaming 
even more so and, and it still is but but not to this not to the extent it was back in the 90s early 2000s where it was still kind of the a nerdy pastime if you know what i mean no absolutely and you know here's a funny thing and you'll see this parallel what the nba 2k series is going into in this next decade is how kind of like what the nba real nba is going through yeah going into the next decade worldwide the nba has never been more watched i mean like more popular I'm not going to say watch because the ratings are down, but, you know, because of cord cutting and, and people, you know, just streaming and stuff like that. The NBA itself may be, quote unquote, the most popular that it's been, but it's also had the most complaints that I've ever seen. Absolutely. Like, and the way that Adam Silver is managing it and whatnot and the things he's trying to implement. Now look at 2K. 2K's brand strength and their their name is as popular as they've ever been or more popular. But again, we've talked about the Steam reviews, Metacritic, all the reviews that we've seen, and all the complaints we see about um, the game itself via uh, Twitter and whatnot. Again, the population review is 100% different than the IGN and, and GameStop reviews and whatnot. So... The NBA 2K series, it's going to be interesting what they do, and it's also going to be interesting what the real-life NBA does to kind of get that, you know, create more of a positive reaction to the to the on-court action and, and to the game. I'm sure we'll weave that uh, into the discussion as we move forward because it's it's something you and I feel quite strongly about and old heads that we are, boomers, you know. Millennial boomers, apparently. That's a new thing. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, and, and the brand strength for 2K is as strong as it's ever been and with recognition, um, mainstream recognition and whatnot. And, of course, the players these days are all gamers back in the day. Maybe the younger guys were, but the, the older guys weren't really. So there is definitely that demographic shift and, and the popularity in that. But it's it doesn't have the same goodwill as it, as it did entering the last generation or this generation that... Well, the current generation, I suppose, because when it was entering that generation, you know, live had live had dropped the ball. It, it, it had not come out for a couple of years. The whole NBA Elite Eleven fiasco. The game had been struggling since the uh, jump to the seventh generation with Xbox 360. Um, and NBA 2K had come up and not just taken the the sales, but also the uh, the critical acclaim that they were the they, they were the number one series in every way possible, as they still are by sales and, and at least uh, Metacritic scores. But also among gamers, you know, they, they were the they were listening to us. They were trying to make this sim game. They were trying to put everything they could into it, doing things like the Jordan Challenge and NBA's Greatest and all the legends and everything like that, whereas Live was moving away from all of those, those kinds of extra content and expanding what the whole experience was. And they were going in depth with all the... everything you could do to make the games as realistic as possible and, and really create this realistic on-court uh, you know virtual hardwood uh, experience and, and they've kind of gone away from that and not not just they're not just the company that's well, they were the company that was you know for the gamers well that's how they were seen uh, and as the developer for the gamers and the way they were making the, the game so in-depth and so great whereas ea were the ones phoning it in and trading on a name that had been trading on nostalgia things like that and oh it's ea terrible evil ea and everything and now you've got that shift because now it's 2K and visual concepts putting in all these microtransactions, doing all these uh, pre-order bonuses, and you've got, to, you've got to pre-order the most expensive edition to really get all the extra VC to make your player good out of the gate and things like that. They're entering this generation with a lot less goodwill than they were 
at at the start of the uh, the current generation, the next generation, I should say, they're entering that with much less goodwill than they were uh, seven years ago. Exactly, and by doing what you were talking about early on, and when they really truly took over around two K nine. Um, 2K10, when they were listening to everybody, and it was for the gamers, and they picked up all this goodwill, the the products they were making were not just the best basketball game. And at one point, they ended up being the only basketball game, because after Live 10, there wasn't another Live to Live 14. But they were the best sports game. Yep. They were they were better than any product you know and Madden they were better than FIFA they were better than NHL they were better than baseball if you actually look um, as far as a well-rounded product and um, you know what we were getting as far as comparing to its real life counterpart NBA 2K was it and they were winning sports game of the year and stuff like that. Um, I believe 2K11 may have won sports game. It should have. I believe it did. Because yeah. I think there was a game of the year edition for, for 2K11. So it's not just the basketball space. They were dominating the sports gaming space. But then all of a sudden, over the last three years, like you had stated, you know, we had talked about they changed the motion system, the feel of the game changed, the ambiance of the games changed, the atmosphere of the game changed, the... Um, the control changed. They started going in the canned animation direction. They started doing a lot of things that affected people's experience. They went really hardcore in the virtual currency section and didn't let up, which is unbelievable. After a couple years of people complaining, they, you know, escalated it. And and, um, then they lied to people and said, you know, you can keep this or you can keep your build or you can keep the, um, you you know, a part of your build. And they couldn't. And so basically they've received over the last three years, people have been, you know, really on 2K and you can see it all over all over social media and they've been able to get away with it as really the only the only all around basketball game live release titles. They weren't all around. Correct. They couldn't pick up people no matter what. They did not have enough content in 2018, 2019, they did not have enough comment, content to pick up enough consumers to compete. Yeah, that's the way it is, yeah. And so basically what happens is is now we go on to a new generation, and I'm not saying it's like a fresh start. It's not because live still, I mean, like you said, 2K's brand awareness. Their, their, their brand is still so popular. But... It's almost a chance, and I've said this on several, I said it on another podcast, I've said it on a couple here. This is literally a chance for another player, whether it's EA Sports or not, to come into the space and actually make people turn heads and switch. I really believe that this, especially the move to next gen, this is the time where they can wow people and say, hey, wait a minute, there's actually another competitor in the space, we should look at this. And I'd love to see it, and obviously EA is in the best position to do it, being having the game a game built already, and and the relationship with the NBA and whatnot to the point that they have been able to skip years and cancel games without jeopardizing their license or their relationship with the NBA. So it's probably going to be EA, if anyone. And and there is that opportunity there. I definitely agree. And that's an interesting point you brought up about sports game of the year as well, because I'd, I'd forgotten that various two Ks had won sports game of the year, but not the last few years. And I think it really shows that despite the quality of some of those releases and the popularity, that it, it, people are looking at it and saying, well, these are really starting to become 
very driven by recurrent revenue, which is absolutely the case. And and I think it's really they, they've because the bottom line hasn't been affected. I think Two K really underestimates how much they've really hurt their standing and their image and the trust in their brand to, to the point that if EA did come along and NBA Live does get to where it needs to be, I think a lot of people will jump ship because they're, they're fed up with uh, with Two K's. Uh, you know what, what 2K have been doing with this generation, and looking ahead to the next generation, the the Xbox uh, Series X and the PlayStation Five. You know, looking at what they're supposedly going to be able to do, they're saying the Xbox Series X is four times faster than the Xbox um, Xbox One X. So we're looking at major upgrades. PlayStation Five is you know you can read all the specs and the architecture that it's going to have, and they're going to they're going to be the next gen- jump in technology. But these design concepts, and as long as these design concepts are, are centered around recurrent revenue and predatory uh, predatory approaches, marketing, like with, with your pre-order bonuses that you have to get the super-duper ultimate edition to actually enjoy the game on day one, because you, that's the only way you're going to get good cards in my team and all these packs, free packs, allegedly free packs, but you've technically bought them, and all that VC, which again, you've technically bought by paying extra for the Ultimate Edition, whatever, Legend Edition, th- those practices aren't going to go away. That is the way of gaming now, sadly. Uh, and I think we, that's why we enter this new generation, we're look ahead, looking ahead to entering this new generation, and I'm not sure that gaming is, is going in a great direction because of that. And whereas before we were excited about, oh, look at those graphics, the OMG trailer, which should make us say OMG, and, and the new graphics and all they can do in the even though I'm not a huge fan of the my career story approach it was new and innovative at the time but instead of being excited about the possibilities there and, and certainly you know we wonder what could happen there and I guess we'll get into that as well but but apart from just rather instead of being all excited about that we're worrying about okay what are they going to do with microtransactions because clearly they found out it's going to work they're not going to back off it out of the goodness of their hearts so it could, you know, I'm, that's something about the next generation that I think could be really bad. Yeah, two things uh, about, yeah, great point. Yeah, I want to get into that. There's two things about the everything you just covered. So one thing, popularity is can be skewed and is not always a reflection of the product. Popularity can be a number of things, like we talked about before. Being the only basketball player, well-rounded basketball game in the space, that's going to make you popular. That doesn't mean that your game is perfect or or amazing. It doesn't. Um, Something's trendy. That doesn't make it great. Just because, you know, you get your friend to play NBA 2K and, you know, he gets his friend to play NBA 2K and then you guys have a squad and all of that stuff that gets online, that doesn't make the game perfect or great. That's being trendy. The, the The point that I'm trying to make is basically... There's a lot of reasons why 2K broke records each year in sales. And a lot, yeah. lot of it revolves around lack of, lack of competition. Have they made great products in the past? Absolutely. Have the last three great products on the court been great? Absolutely not. So right, yeah. it, they've been living on their name, and they've been able to get away with murder a lot with their product a lot in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, a lot of things aren't even called out. And they're, or they're overshadowed by all the praise that the brand itself gets, um, whether it be from content creators or as quote-unquote fanboys and whatnot, which I hate using, but it's, it's, there's some truth to it. Sometimes it's apt, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and the other the other point that I wanted to make was you had you you had mentioned you know, like four times faster. And, you know, we're coming on to, you know, the OMG trailer and 2K14, how, how it just blew people away visually and everything. I want to make a point. If 2K14 had sucked on the court, that would have been the start of a downhill spiral. So uh, it, it doesn't matter if live looks awesome. It doesn't matter if the system has amazing capabilities and can make games look great and it's four times fat, faster or or more powerful or, or whatever. If somebody picks up that game and it feels like several of the demos in the past have um, felt or there's something seriously wrong with the gameplay that doesn't resonate with people and excuse me, it doesn't give a great first impression, then it doesn't matter that they're on a new system. No. They're not going to buy the game. They're not going to tell their friends good things about that game. They're not going to... The game isn't going to resonate with people, and they're going to find themselves right back to where they were with Live 14. Well, I'm going to bring up and praise once again Basketball Classics here, because that is a game, obviously, in indie developing you know, indie developers, you know, Josh and Dave from Nemo Gamo, two people working on the game there. It's uh, Technologically, it is, you know, it's, it's a retro style, so it's not taking advantage of the, in that respect, the, the, the modern tech as far as you know, full 3D renders and you know, v- uh, photorealistic faces and that kind of thing, uh, and beyond the licensing issues, obviously, with that. But a lot of those games, and why I love Basketball Classics and, and was so impressed by the, by the game, and I thought, wow, you know, I never thought of having a basketball game with, with that retro style when they've been doing things like Shovel Knight and other throwback platformers and things. Why not a basketball game? And it really has filled that uh, that gap in the market there. But it shows you that you can create, if you use the right concepts, and because Basketball Classics has a lot of modern concepts in it, combined with that retro aesthetic and approach, that's why it's so fun. It's it's great ideas meshed together. It's and Obviously, it's being sold. It's not being given away for free, and rightfully so. Uh, but it's, it's not about, you know, let's squeeze people for all the money they've got. It's let's create this great experience with these great design ideas. And you don't need to have the most mind-blowing graphics you know to that to your point to, it doesn't matter if you're doing that if the other design concepts are flawed and faulty and you can see how fun that experience is blending that old with the new when you're focusing on the right things absolutely and there's a a good example of that that i want to bring up that's kind of in just in my life so my brother and I, another um, genre that we play is tennis video games. Yep. And it's two tennis video games right now. There's three. There's three tennis video games right now that are installed on, on um, our computer. We have AO International Tennis, which basically has um, PS3-type graphics. We have, uh, let's see, not PS3, I'm sorry, PS4-type graphics. We have Tennis World Tour, which is closer to PS3-type graphics. And then we have Tennis Elbow, 2013 which was made by one man one developer and it um it has graphics that are probably at best uh, probably uh i'm gonna go between playstation and sega genesis like they're like in between there which game do you think we play the most um i'm guessing that that last one might be high in the rotation that get, that game is absolutely 100% in the rotation, and the other ones barely get picked up, ever. And the reason is, is because the gameplay got us. 
It had a great first impression. The speed of the ball is realistic, like in real life. The players move at a pace that's in re- like in real life. Um, they made it so it's 100% moddable for the PC, so they gave it that option. They even have like a mod folder with it. And people have made um, players from every year that of uh, in tennis history, basically. You can have two-player career mode, which both other games don't have. It's the only game that can have multiplayer career mode. So it has the gameplay and it has the depth and it has the, it has the modes that we want that we can enjoy together. And AO International Tennis does things, some things right. I even posted about it at one point. That's tennis right, World yeah. Tour does some things right. But both of them, it doesn't matter how much better they look. It isn't even close to as fun or as immersive as that game with those Sega Genesis type graphics. And a lot of people are actually like this. A lot of people, and I think you're like that as well. We've talked about it in the past. A game can look just good enough and blow away a game that looks amazing just by having a much better feel. No question. Yeah. And being more well-rounded. And so I know that I'm not alone in that aspect, but even in this, it goes back to live if Live 21 doesn't look as good as 2K, if for some reason the graphics don't pop as much as 2K and it doesn't look as good, but people pick up that game and they try that demo if one is released and they get their hands on the sticks and they're like, man, this feels great. And they're having a blast and it feels different than 2K. And they're like, wow, this is fresh. And they like the, the, the and it has the modes that they're looking for in the depth. You don't think a lot of those people will switch? Oh, they will. I think they will. I mean, people will say, okay, it doesn't look as good. I think it does need to look as good as it possibly can in order to have that, you know, the first bite is with the eye kind of... Uh, especially, now, yes, especially nowadays, I agree with you. It does. It needs to look really... It, let's put it this way. It needs to look like an Xbox Series X and PS5 title. Yeah, it, it needs to impress to a certain extent. I mean, people talk about the animations with live, and it is a, it is a problem, but... People talk about it as, as if 2K doesn't have issues with its animations and its controls, which is funny because it absolutely does. And there are moments with warping and gliding and sliding that 2K does look very... I, I don't use the word cartoonish. I almost did, and I hate that word. But how it doesn't look as realistic as it should, or even indeed how as realistic as it once did in some respects. And that control too, right? Right? We, yeah. We've talked about this. That it, it affects control, it affects outcomes, and it causes frustration so it's not just visual well that, it, that's it, the thing it, yeah that's the gameplay i mean if, if the cpu can just glide over to an open spot faster than the defender can move and the defender doesn't always have that awareness because it's the feet aren't moving but the player is sliding so that they can move without moving their feet and your cpu defender your cpu teammate doesn't realize that they're moving because the feet aren't moving so why would i follow them they're not moving right except they are so they slide over and suddenly they've got an open shot and they make open shots at a very high rate, the CPU, which, which is fair enough, players do, mostly. So, it, as you say, it absolutely affects the, uh, the on-court experience. It's not just, oh, I'm nitpicking the, the graphics. It's, a, it's an issue with the gameplay. If I'm posting up, and I get sucked into the player behind me or in front of me, that absolutely 100% affects my my experience on that the too yeah absolutely yeah it the, the... 
defense that shouldn't be there. It causes the space that I created to be null and void and creates a contested shot. Oftentimes it creates a turnover. Many times it makes me pick up my dribble. Right. And then they, they have the new crowding animations where somebody's putting their hand on the ball and you're wrestling it. Yep. And it would put you in those animations and stuff. And, um, or, you know, I try to stop to take a shot and I'm sliding. So I end up taking a moving shot, which is a lesser percentage chance to go in and it makes it harder to shoot. And there, it, it absolutely, the things that I complain about, and I've talked about this on the forums in detail, and I've even uploaded videos, the things that I complain about gameplay wise, what are they doing? They're not visual. They're affecting my gameplay experience and they're affecting other people's gameplay experience. And it's how it feels and how it affects you on the sticks. And it causes so much frustration. I mean, it looks bad as well. So it's, it's not good from any, any, yeah. Look, I said, look at this. Yeah. 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 I I mean, it's, it's, it absolutely affects gameplay, but even, even if you are just talking about the quality of it, it's, it doesn't look good. And it's, a lot of the things that you would criticize live for, 2K kind of, kind of gets a pass on. And that does come back to the goodwill that it built up and has eroded with some of its decisions that it's made business-wise this past few years especially. It's Once you do have that goodwill, people do give you the pass. And I can see that. But really, by not holding 2K accountable and not you know, making a bigger stink, I think earlier on when the whole virtual currency started coming in, you know, I don't want to use the frog in water analogy because it's scientifically proven to be incorrect frogs actually will indeed jump out of water even if it's uh, slightly warm but it's it is that kind of approach i think that's and you know the great jim sterling of course who is uh, always advocating for gamers and does great content as, as you know um has talked about the bubble bursting my concern is and i, I do trust jim's insight because he is a very smart man but uh, i keep waiting for the bubble to burst on microtransactions and, and i don't think it will which is why i see it getting possibly even worse in the next generation and, and again that's kind of disheartening because we're getting this new tech and there should be a whole new world of possibilities that they can do as far as uh, innovating with the games not just how the way they look but also things like uh, cross-platform play and all kinds of multiplayer scenarios if if you want to do that and and all kinds of new modes and things that they can do with that new processing power and i'm just thinking 2k is looking at that and thinking how can we make a lot of money which which i know is the whole business side of things but to the de- to the detriment of the experience, you know how you make a lot of money, make something that people want to play a lot, and we'll pump money into happily. Well, that's why. First off, Jim Sterling's a legend. Absolutely, I love him. He's, he's just. I wish I could communicate like him. Sometimes he does. He does a great job. Um, no, he's right. And you know the bubble bursting, and you know they're going to run out of luck eventually if they keep escalating this. But, but then uh, we, have, we have a generation that's been raised on this, and to the point, you know, they bring, they'll, even, they'll even okay boomer you if you talk about the days before microtransactions, which is funny because the whole okay boomer stuff is actually going against the whole uh, rampant capitalism idea of microtransactions in the first place. So it's funny that they're pulling it out as a thought-terminating cliche, but the, point, the underlying point is that we do have a generation that thinks this is normal, and pre-order bonuses and exclusives are normal. I told you about the um, the communication that I had on Operation Sports on a forum where, um, you know, somebody had said, and, and I was watching this interaction, somebody said, um, I don't know what you guys' problem is. And this is this is another thing, and, and you and I hate this, is just because they've been doing it for a while, 
it's made it's made to be okay because they've been doing it normalized it yeah they yeah so you guys have been you guys have been you know this has been happening for years was the comment um you you know that you're going to have to spend 20 25 30 sometimes more dollars each year in order to get the experience you want it's nothing new stop your bitching basically is um excuse my language but basically (laughs) that post and um sums it up people standing up for him people were like yeah yeah man yeah man like that's that that's right i mean to stop your stop complaining and you know what is wrong with you guys they've been doing this for a while well just because somebody's been doing something a company or a person has been doing something for a while that doesn't make it right and just because it's normalized doesn't mean it should be normal and it also doesn't mean that it should be the 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 accepted base in a game now and and it's It's, getting worse it's getting worse as well yeah, and it's been getting worse and escalating each year. And I think it would it, it, it wouldn't be any different, in my opinion, if the on-court product was perfect, because it's still the point of doing it, right? And yeah. treating consumers like that. But it's been, in my mind, it's made things way worse because not only are they doing that to people, and that pisses me off, but. but the on-court product has also had its fair share of issues and and things being rushed. I want to point something out. I know this is kind of li- a li- not off-topic, but it's a frustration of mine. So I don't know if you noticed this, but in NBA 2K20, they changed or took out a bunch of jump shot animations, like yeah. ones that were in like past games, like shot bases and releases. Go back and use, and I want you to do this if you can after you get off this call or anybody who's listening to this please go into it go and use dominique wilkins and clyde drexler in 2k20 and they have this set shot where they're shooting the ball in front of their face and they're barely leaving the ground and they're like hunched over when they're shooting it they literally didn't attack didn't tend to any of the classic teams with fixing their shots based on the shots they took out or changed. So basically, jump shot eight, which was Drexler's base, it is now this like little hot set shot. But they never went back and changed Drexler. So now, not, not, you know, the past gets crapped on enough. Like yeah. The, yeah. the historic players and historic teams get crapped on enough enough by this by the ignorant young players that are play, like the the kids who don't know any better. Or who they're just, you know, they're listening to the media or whatever, and they don't know their history. But now you're just going to throw these uh, classic teams in, and you're going to do copy and paste jobs with their signatures, copy and paste jobs with their attributes and tendencies. You're going to not work on their signatures. You're going to make them 30 to 40 points lower on speed than they should be based on the way they were in real life. But now you're not going to go back through on these on these players and give them even somewhat accurate shots. So people, these kids are going in and they don't know Dominique Wilkins or Clyde Drexler from a hole in the wall, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to throw on the 85-86 Hawks or I'm going to throw on the 90-91 Blazers. And they go into the game and they see Drexler shoot and they see Nick shoot, and they're like, oh, these guys are trash. Look at the way they shoot. Yeah, not how they shoot. That's not that's not how they shoot. It's just 2K literally throwing a ton of content into the game 
a ton of retro content into the game and not making it accurate because they know they can get away with it. I think we've seen more of that again over this generation because we saw that innovation and that strive, striving for accuracy with the Jordan challenge and, oh, we actually want to have Jordan's tongue come out of his mouth, so we're doing all kinds of, you know. And, and look, it would have been, I think even some of the wish list for NBA Live back in the day when they're talking about having Michael Jordan in the game and say, and have his tongue come out, which, which would have been a big deal back in the 90s, you know, to actually have that in a game. So when that was added and, and was actually doing that in the special animations for the Jordan challenge, we rightfully said, hey, this is pretty cool, you know, the fact that it actually does this. And, and we got that attention to detail and, and it hasn't been there over the past few years with the rosters. And back in 2K16, you remember they were doing the, the Hall of Fame scale with the ratings? That was the thing, that, the big thing they were implementing? That was a huge thing, yep. And I, I thought that was a great idea. And they've kind of moved away from it. And, and the, you talk about the attention to detail to Legends, which is absolutely true, or the, or the lack thereof. I, I think it even goes for the current NBA as well, when you see players who are missing badges. And I know there were a lot of Legends missing badges. Was it 2K18 that they did that? Or 17? Um, it was 2K18 where they were missing a ton of badges. 2K17 had the absolutely ridiculous um, sim stats issue oh, with like that's, every that's... single retro teams where guys were getting like 11 rebounds for an entire season playing 34 minutes a game. That's and, right. Like, that's right. Yeah, like five steals and, and stuff like that. So, so there is that issue. That there's been a le- it feels like there's less attention to detail in the rosters. And it's funny because it's the way the gaming has gone. There's a lot of good things I think that have come through on the past generation, which I'd love to see continue and expanded upon in the in the future. Online team play, they've taken, although there are problems with it, the basic concepts of giving people a few different ways to play online is a great way of doing it. The my career stories, I think, have run their course, but I think they've also really pushed the genre in a very creative way. Uh, the stuff with with my team, the card collecting modes, ultimate team, of course. Uh, I think they've done some really good stuff there, although there is problems with repetition, as you've pointed out in previous shows. They've, they've done a lot of great stuff there and, and refined the controls. Uh, I like that they've gotten to a point where the controls are at least fairly consistent year to year. That was a big problem in the last generation where they were really... The, the previous generation, the Xbox 360, PS3 generation, and the PC ports thereof, where they were cha- they felt like they were changing the controls every other year. The fact that they've got very consistent controls now that it's remember it was a big thing in the previous season what are the controls like this year this year they don't really now they don't really talk about it that much because they're pretty much the same every year which i think they should be to a certain extent unless there's a problem they need to fix or a big new innovation you keep it very consistent and the mechanics fairly consistent unless there is a problem so i think they've done a good job on that and in some of the modes and the depth but little concepts again and it's not just the the recurrent revenue it's it's the advertising in games it's running around the virtual neighborhood taking away menus and even i think some younger gamers don't like the whole neighborhood aspect of having to if you want to buy clothes for your player or, or equip animations or whatever or, or get new shoes you've got to go and run around the neighborhood and go to different stores to get everything it's it's, it's pointless busy work that it's been added and there's little things like that that I, and the lack of and the attention's gone into them and then there's less attention on fixing core problems with the mode like getting subbed out in the middle of a close game when you're having the game of your life and any coach with a sense which maybe maybe because i'm playing for the bulls and it's jim boylan ha 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 maybe that's why it's not maybe that's why it's not been coaching well but fixing little things that are about that i say little things quite big things in the grand scheme of things about the the modes and the experience and how, how the game plays are, are being pushed aside and, and roster accuracy and all that stuff pushed aside for 
bells and whistles and bells and whistles that have little to do with basketball, like racing cars in the neighborhood, Formula One cars in the neighborhood for various events and things like that. And we've got a, a lot of pointless fluff, I feel. And you know, I, I hesitate to use that term because it's very much a buzzword, but there, it does seem that it's a lot of focus on those bells and whistles rather than that attention to detail on the core product of the game. And uh, it's, it's very hard to say, sound, not sound, uh, gatekeeping and elitist and everything. But I think since the game has been made for a wider audience, it's not just the hardcore basketball fans anymore. You're trying to appeal to all these people with all these flashy bells and whistles. And it, it's almost, I mentioned this to you, I think off air, uh, here in Australia, when uh, Newcastle, where I'm from, when we had a, our last team that we had, and they were promoting it on TV as, as a fun night out with a game of basketball thrown in. And when it comes to basketball, if it's a basketball game or a professional basketball league, basketball is the show and the main event and what it really should be focused on. And I, that's my other concern that as this generation has gone on, we've lost that focus and it, it doesn't bode well moving into the next generation. Same with live focusing on the streets. You know, it's that focus as we enter that next generation, you know, this, this upcoming generation. And even as we finish out this one that has concerned me and uh, has bothered me through these last few years, especially. It went from it went from 2K being about the gamer to 2K being about themselves. That's what it went. That's what it what it feels like. So I'll give you an example of how I feel about that. So nobody advertises quite like 2K. Yeah, agreed. nobody. Their their marketing is amazing. The first thing that happens when you put on a game or like um, you you have like the 2K TV and you have Chris Manning sitting there and in a and then a young lady, and they're, they're basically propping up modes, and they're propping up highlights, and they're propping up um, new things about the game and all of that stuff, and they're propping themselves up, and they're boasting the game. Yep. And it's more about boasting the game, and it's more about Chris Manning, and it's more about, the, it's, it's more about Mike Wang and Dizarre. It's more It feels like it's more about them than it is about the gamer. It's more about the advertisement than it is the actual product. And that will, that has absolutely been reflected with how people have been, the, the, the advertising is more than ever. There's more faces associated with 2K than ever. There's more propping up of 2K than ever by the 2K team. And it's a complete contradiction to how the product has actually been received over the last three years. Is, is it's this, it's is a huge disconnect. Is this the part of the, the, part of the show that we uh, rip on running 2K for a bit? I know. I wanted to say. I've, I've been trying not to say it. I bet. Yes. So Ronnie, you know <laughs> Ronnie Two K. You know, you know, he he's his exposure has gone way up. He lied to people before release about many things about the game itself and said you can keep this, you can keep that, and all that stuff. And it real and that stuck with people. But he's still out there and he's still promoting the game and he's still tweeting and he's still saying it's the greatest and he's still saying he's the greatest and all of that. And it's just it gets so old. It gets so old. And you know what I want to compare this to? You said it, you know, it's a, it's not about it turned it it ended up being more about the the basically the it's not about the game anymore. I want to give you an example. Do you remember what happened to the um, the dunk contest when Chris Anderson and Nate Robinson were doing it? Oh yeah. And yeah. it was worst the dunk contest. It was a joke. It was a shell of its former self. The dunk contest became more about props than it did the dunks. Yep, yep. It became more about something else other than the game. 
other than the dunk contest, than the dunk portion of the game. It turned into, you know, blowing cupcakes off the backboard. It turned into jumping over Kias. It turned into kicking the ball up to the hoop. It turned into two having an 11 or 12-foot hoop. It turned into stretching your arms out and dunking into two hoops. It turned out dunking with two or three balls at the same It turned, or jumping over people. It turned into jumping over somebody in a chair. It turned into all of this stuff, and it, tur- it, it turned the dunk contest into an absolute joke. What happened when they went back to the original formula? We had the yeah. best dunk contest that we had. The first, the best dunk contest with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, even though one of Aaron Gordon's dunk was using a prop, but which was the mascot. But it turned into the best dunk contest that we had since Jason Richardson. Yeah. Literally the best dunk contest that we had in like 15 years. All because they got rid of the sh- that part of the the props and they made it more about the dunks and they made it more about the basketball and all of that stuff and they it, they, it was it, there wasn't as much of that show and there was more substance and and that's what i can kind of compare 2k to right now it feels like those old dunk contests with chris anderson and nate robinson that were just an absolute joke that's a very apt comparison and i being such a fan of the dunk contest i do love that 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 metaphor is it's absolutely spot on I, I do remember that all those all those props and thinking it's it's getting out of hand it's it's no longer about athletic feats and tricks with the ball and things that things that you would you could possibly do in a game but wouldn't because if you mess up you're giving up an easy basket kind of thing you know that that was the beauty of the dunk contest and i know you got to there were props like back in the day the 86 contest um you had gerald wilkins jumping over somebody in a chair so but, but they were the outliers and and the and of course Larry Nance dunking the two balls in the first NBA contest in 84 but they were they were the outliers it was it was there and it was cool but it wasn't the whole show the show was still as you say about the uh, the feats with the ball and, and the sport and yeah it's, it's absolutely gotten that way with with 2k as well and maybe to that that extent it's uh, it's mirroring current trends or that's an old trend of course but to your point yes yeah, as, as soon as it went back to basics it was uh, it was a lot better uh, as far as Ronnie is concerned and you kind of hate to give him too much attention i think the problem is that 2k at the moment doesn't have a community manager because he's a digital marketer uh now that uh, chris manning is back early 2k he's with 2k tv as a host and i know he's done a little bit of community stuff and try to engage but that's not his job so he's kind of going above and beyond when he does that with the community which i do commend him for uh, so that that's a problem in and of itself that we don't have this good community manager and, and live has also gotten down that road as well where there's not a lot of the community interaction that we used to have. And I can speak to that, um, you know, with having some great uh, communication with the previous community managers and, and having not as much anymore. It's And, and not just me, but others uh, in the community and long-time members of the community as well. So there's been a lot of problem with communication and trying trying to make, you know, these celebrities out of the developers or marketers. And, you know, you, to the point where they have the new trailer for the, the, the neighborhood now is done up for Christmas, right? Um, in the... Um, in, in my career in me 2k20 so in the trailer you've got uh ronnie 2k hopping along and dancing along in the streets in in the elf costume and and people were <laughs> responding to him saying we don't want to see ronnie who cares about him You're like although he does have a lot of fans i don't know how i have absolutely i think you know people watch the kardashians so you know there's no accounting for taste um <laughs> his fans quote unquote are there to hate him I if you ever look yeah. at social media feed, I'm not trying to be, I, we don't want to, you know, listen, 
he's in his and we agree with this. He's in his position. He's in his position for a reason, and he probably works hard. I really believe that. I, I do. But ninety nine point nine percent of people that are commenting on it, they rag on him, that, and they're mad at him. Yeah, mad. That is true. Like they're mad at him. Yeah. So I, I suppose there is that, and. It, it, I guess it bothers me that he, he seems to be more about, again, rubbing shoulders with celebrities and and NBA players and whatnot and personalities and, and cozying up to the elite YouTubers, but then, of course, you know, taking away their logo if they don't um, you know, kiss his ass. So <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's going on. That part of it, and I, I remember, again, a time in the community when, when we had the interaction with the developers, it was much more positive, it was much more core hardcore gamers interacting with the developers and giving good feedback it wasn't changing it based on influences you know the so-called influences and things like that it wasn't about clout as much as we don't like that word you know you and i i think was it you that i was talking about we were saying how we didn't like that word i said on the last podcast i absolutely hate the word clout yeah but for for lack of a better word you know the the clout chasing and whatnot it's become about that and and I, i think that's a a part of the community and attitudes that have been cultivated over this generation which Again, I don't see getting that much better, although maybe, again, if a bubble bursts in some in some way, maybe we will see it better. Um, I mean, obviously, we've talked about a lot of things that have gone wrong in this generation. Uh, I think they've overdone the My Career Stories and, and things like The Neighbourhood and going in that bad direction there. Uh, what, what do you think are the, are the best things of this past generation that they need to uh, hold on to and expand upon in the in the next one? Um, well, one thing I wanted to say before I, I talk about that is we were talking about, like, props and and how it became less about the on-court product you remember the balloons coming down in 2k18 from the crowd oh yeah 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 (laughs) that's a perfect example on the court you have guys with oversized heads and players look like they're wearing ice skates skating around the court there are so many issues with 2k18's on-court um product but man they got those balloons in yeah that's Got those floating, uh, I think they, they were like floating balloons down into the crowd, right? Yeah, and they, and they, they blocked your view as you, if you're playing on broadcast cam, and they, they blocked the view, yeah. Right, so that's an example. Yeah. Um, what is what is 2K done right uh, for this gen? They've stuck around, right, number yep. one. They've been making consistent basketball games and upping the content each year. Each year there's, no, there's more content. So they, they do that right. Um, and they get people excited about new content, whether it be new classic teams or new additions to my career and um, their online experience or park, new parks and stuff like that. So every year they've upped that and they've kept people engaged. They had, in my opinion, four strong releases for the series in this, um, this gen. So over half. They had 2K14, 2K15, 2K16, and 2K17, which I believe were strong releases, and that can be reflected um, in some of the feedback that you can see for those games online. You can see that it was received, all of those titles were received pro- um, pretty positively. Um, I think that they absolutely, and we talked about this before, um, 2K14's on-court product, the way it looked and field and the, um, the OMG and, and all of that, the trailer and all that stuff, that game um blew people away and they kept momentum because of that on court what they were able to deliver from a look and feel standpoint on that game so they 
basically the best thing that 2K did, in my opinion, is continue to add content and continue to keep people, um, you know, wanting more, um, liking it and also wanting more in the next year and keeping people immersed in, in the content. However, I just want to make a point that we don't know what would have happened if another player came into the place and made a really quality basketball game. Yeah. So it kind of skews the numbers in my opinion, but I will say that the first four releases for this, um, for this gen were positive and solid releases. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, I also, I do think the consistency again of the controls from a technical standpoint, things like that, they did very well. Um, obviously oh, getting the, the next gen port onto PC. If you go back to the last time that NBA live was on PC, they were releasing PS2 ports on PC rather than the new 360 PS3 version which was, in hindsight, an indication that the PC version was on its last legs, sadly. Um, and, and hopefully that can change moving forward, as we say so many times with NBA Live over the past more than a decade now. Uh, so I, I think the consistency of, of 2K, definitely adding the content, and, and and some of the things that they've tried, even if they're not great ideas, as much as I rag on my career stories or the neighborhood or, and things like that, and they do have their drawbacks, trying to do something new and innovate with uh, something new, bring something new to the experience and, and really take advantage of that, the, the power that the generation that we're in, the current generation that, that it brought to the table and what they've been able to do with it. Uh, expanding the uh, online experience. You, you look at some of the online stuff that, uh, that Live does where you don't even have squads and things like that. And I know 2K has done some gatekeeping stuff with the the minimum users required for Pro-Am, Walk-On, etc., uh, which that that's something they need to move away from and, and get proper matchmaking in the next generation. That is, especially as, as online gaming is becoming as big as it is, they've gone down that path of catering to the elitists, which is, is absolutely the wrong way to go when you've got such great concepts. And you know, 2K does have some great concepts for modes. Some of the problem has been the accessibility and the elitism. Uh, if they can cut out that and keep expanding on those great ideas that they've brought to the table with their modes, with those core experiences based around basketball, that, that will be great on the next generation, and I do think they will do that. It's just you're always in the back of your mind thinking, okay, is it not going to have matchmaking? How, is it, how much is it going to cost to upgrade my player? How, how bad is the grind going to be if I don't want to pay for upgrades? Things like that. Uh, Live obviously has that great opportunity to come in and avoid microtransactions or continue to avoid microtransactions in its career mode completely, and that, that is a great selling point, something that they haven't pushed. And you know, to, to your point about 2K being so much better at marketing that that they're really good at covering up things like that. Uh, and and so with some of that lack of transparency and, and really just people falling for every year or not being able to boycott the game because it is the only game in town or the only viable option in town. So it, it does come down to that. Uh, I think it's been a successful generation techni- you know, from a technical standpoint and it has produced some great on-court action. But, but it, it is just a shame it's been marred by some of these design decisions that are very... Uh, predatory as far as recurrent revenue, microtransactions, whatever, and, and also the, the lack of things like the lack of matchmaking that the experience could be so much better. And, and I saw a recent tweet and I sent it to you about talking about holding back for the next generation. Um, I think that's dumb if they've been doing it. Um, I, and a lot of those things, I don't think they should hold back on great ideas, especially about things like matchmaking and great modes and things like that. I think it really should have been going in this generation, some of that stuff for for a start. But if they've been holding it back for the next generation, then certainly 
do it as soon as possible because there are uh, some big problems that do get glossed over in, in 2K and certainly a lot of issues with live in this direction in recent years that you've, you know, to, get, to back up to what we were talking about earlier in the show, you've got to come out strong with this fresh start on a new, on a new generation or kind of a fresh start in a, in a sense. You shouldn't hold back. You should continue to be innovative. Yeah. That's the exciting part. You know, you're, the problem is, is you literally only have one year gaming cycle, you know, for each year because there's a game that comes out every year and you can only do so much in that cycle. So it's not holding back. That's not the right terminology is you prioritize. Yeah. Right. So if those things, if they were able to get those items in there for a past title, then and there was time permitted to do that, which I don't I'm not even sure there was because we're, people have talked about this, the whole fix 2K, 2K20 and 2K18, in my opinion, don't feel like finished products when they were released. Agreed. They just don't. They don't. The Encore products and the mode issues and all of that stuff. So maybe they didn't have time. So maybe his wording was wrong. But. You and I can both agree that you fit in what you can during that game's production cycle and development cycle, excuse me, um, and then you continue to be innovative working on the new game, and you just continue being innovative. There are so many different things that haven't been added in basketball games that could be in there. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like the well is dry. It's not like the well is going to dry up in five, ten years. You know what I mean? I want to get yeah. to that, you know, and some ideas that we have for the next generation. But to that point about development cycles, do you see that changing with the next generation that maybe maybe it goes to that games as a service model where there's only release every couple of years or so and then expansion packs, season update packs that are released in between as maybe as paid DLC because obviously they've got to make their money? Or do you think it's going to continue to be that annual cycle and a very compressed cycle? Because it seems that every year 2K comes out earlier and earlier which is less and less time to get the polish and i think it has re resulted in a lack of polish in games and, and before before i get uh, you know get your answer on that i know you don't play my career but in my career in nba 2k20 when it launched it, all the uh, player menu icons the, the, the tiles and the menu were just blank and after one of the first couple of patches suddenly they all had different icons so they, it, the game didn't even launch with all of its front-end aesthetics in place which maybe speaks to the fact that the demands of the developers and the, these development cycles are just brutal and it's hurting. I mean, that's not a huge deal. It's just an aesthetic in the front end. But it just goes to show that even getting something like that into the game by launch doesn't always happen, you know? Well, look at the... We've talked about this with the rosters and stuff like that. Look at the the game that had all the badges missing, missing from like all the all-time teams or whatever, or the classic teams. And look at the games that had all the tendencies messed up. And look at copying uh, Blake Griffin's all of his signatures over to Billy Cunningham. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's, there's these these things where they're obviously rushing, and they're obviously putting forward a product that's not finished. So I'll tell you what: if I don't want to hear anything from any content creator, somebody who has an in with the 2K or who's speaking with the developers or knows something, I don't want to hear anything about them holding back. Because if they're holding back something, that makes no, I mean, that's not the right wording. How about I'd rather hear them say they didn't have enough time <laughs> Yeah. because they were working on the game. 
You know what I mean? Because they were trying to get things right for the game. The holding back thing, that is just the wrong wording you want to use, especially if it came from like an official 2K source. Definitely. That is the wrong wording. Um, the other point I wanted to make really quick, because we brought up live, and you had mentioned, you know, what they need to, you, you mentioned the PC versions of 2K and how that met people's good grace, graces, the fact that they still released 2K14 for the PC. It was just the last-gen graphics. Yep. And look how, much, how many people bought that. Yep. And mocked that um live being more well-rounded they have to get live on pc they've already ea has already moved madden to pc a lot of players play madden on pc they need to get live part of being more well-rounded is being more accessible to more people and once people get their pc gamers get their hands on a live product they are going to go nuts trying to mod it and people will just buy it in general, people that prefer a PC gaming experience, and it just overall looks good on their part that they're releasing on PC. And again, short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Even if they don't think that their first or second year is going to pr- produce a profit on the PC, why the hell would you not do that? Because I'm telling you, there's going to be a long-term gain and a long-term better receptance of uh, um, of your brand by being more accessible to more gamers. And, and you look at the first NBA 2K on PC, NBA 2K9, which you had a great adventure with, as we've covered in a previous show. Um, it, it didn't have online play, and it took a while. Some, some of the features weren't in the PC version, but simply having the PC version as opposed to no PC version of NBA Live, I think established a lot of goodwill, again, at the... At the, at the uh, as kind of in the midpoint of the last generation, the, the prior generation, the 360, PS3, and, and the PC ports we were getting, as you say, the mod has got we got our hands on it, and it uh, became the game of choice in, in a community that was on, on a site that was originally founded as a an NBA Live fan site and, and, and community, expanding to cover 2K and basketball gaming in general as we rebranded from the NBA Live Series Center to NLS Cielo. I suppose we're technically still the NBA Live Series Center in the everyone's hearts and, and and the initialism and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so important. And also with with the new uh, agreement with Valve that EA has struck, that the games are going to be on both Origin and Steam moving forward. That's again, makes it so much more accessible because people do, uh, they're not happy about it coming out on different platforms. And we've seen that with a lot of the, uh, a lot of the controversy over games that are now becoming either timed or forever uh, Epic Store exclusives. No, absolutely, and the and we talked about that. The, the thing is, is again, it's why are you limiting your consumer base? Yeah. Why are you Why are you limiting the amount of people that you're going to reach? What do you have to lose at this point? Like, make your make your product appeal to more demographics. Get yourself on PC. Get your get your game in the hands of more people. Create more buzz about your damn game. You know what I mean? Create. Conversation. I know I sound like I'm getting animated here, but it's just I I would never ever allow a pro, uh, my product to be this this poorly received and poor and get, given poor this poor direction in thir- for 13 years. Yeah, you know what I mean. They've had a couple high points, but over a decade of this and poor marketing. And, 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 you know, not being, not being well-rounded enough and whatnot. And I want to say for anybody listening, if it sounds like I'm being negative, I want you to notice something. 
I'm not being negative for, towards one side. This isn't fanboy, hater type stuff, which with terms we hate. If you notice, I'm critiquing both 2K and EA. Definitely, yeah. The whole, the, the whole point is, is that both can do things better. And there's different things that they can do better, sometimes the same. But, again, this light needs to be shined on these things. And live, while 2K has been successful sometimes to a fault where I don't think they should have been, but where 2K has been successful live has not in like a decade. Yeah. So it's, it's, they have to change their approach and it's just maddening to me how, how it's gone on for so long. What innovations do you, would you like to see on the next generation? It's, it's bringing, you know, at least four times the processing power, four times as powerful on the Xbox uh, series X and PlayStation five, probably similar, uh, specs and buzzwords that we could throw around there what innovations because yes the graphics are probably going to be better uh, there's going to be something d- depending on if there's cross-platform play and things like that what would you like to see what innovations do you think can be made because basketball gaming has come a long way from when we started playing it and and some sometimes can make those games look very primitive as much as i still love them and, and as much as some of them still hold up but so what 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 is next gen to you as far as tech or innovations in, in on the on the virtual hardwood? Well, a few things uh, performance wise is less loading times. Because oh, there's still yes, quite yes. Loading times. That's the one big thing that people are going to be looking for. I'm privileged to be on PC and have a fast one. So basically, I my loading times are like nothing. And whenever I put on the console version of one of these games and I see the loading times, it's like, wow, you guys are waiting four times as long as I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. To get into a game. So loading times is one thing. I think the other thing is cut scenes that are always at 60 FPS. I think one thing that we've noticed over the years on this gen is there's a lot of um, there's there's like frame rate issues still, sometimes not during the on-court gameplay, but during cut scenes and during instant replays and whatnot. So I think one of the big things with next gen people are going to be looking for is bam, bam, you know, I'm I'm between screens, I'm into the game and and it's really fast. Um, And then also they're at a point where they're like, oh, my God, this is these up close cut scenes and these replays and everything. They look great and they're so smooth and and all of that. So I think that's going to be a couple things. Um, But you remember what happened when I think it was we went to the Xbox one. They had the connect. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, connect thing. I wonder and i don't know what they're going to do with that but or if it's something's going to be built in but i wonder what the the next quote-unquote add-on will be VR. i haven't heard and uh, probably anything. vr something like that it's VR, probably like oculus yeah or whatever that's called yeah. like i would say maybe vr right so that makes sense and and maybe some games include like vr modes or like a vr type play to the game which i think that that would be cool um, oh, you, but, know what it's, you know what it's going to be, though? It's, it's going to be in the neighborhood for my career. You get to put on the Oculus or whatever, the VR, and then you actually get to work out in the gym. See, then, see, it's going to be that, uh, like the old, um, oh, what, what's what's the, the game again that, uh, that had the power pad on Nintendo? Oh, um, oh the, uh, uh, the track and field game. Track and field, yeah, that's right, yeah. So it's going to be like you actually work out in the virtual gym now. So you're not going to be on the court, but you get to work out in the virtual gym. That's what it's going to be. Hey, you know what? fine if it's gonna you know lower the obesity rate in america yeah, healthy yeah on the world. 
Yeah, I got everybody out Hel- healthier than VC, uh, Healthier than spending VC, I'll tell you that. There you go. Um, no, yeah, exactly. You'll see, like, the bar overhead. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> um, boy, that Nintendo game was great, by the way, that track and field game. I, th- I talked to you about that. I love yeah. it. Um, but, no, I think innovation-wise, as far as gameplay, I mean, we're talking about more power, and I'm guessing more space to be doing things. You know all the excuses we've heard over the years where they were, like, saying, well, you know, 2K's maxed out their graphics, yeah. right? Or, or they make a statement that says um, they the, the graphics have gotten worse because they had to put more animations in the game, or there were more processing going on. And you and you there's been there was a thread on this if you remember correctly. I think it was for during 2K18 where you know I had mentioned how the the shading and the lighting and the graphics overall have gotten dull. Yep, and they didn't quite add up to say 2K16 and 2K17, or obviously not to 2K14. And everybody was saying, you know, well they've they can't make the graphics better because they added more animations. So they're saying that the processing power couldn't handle more, and that's why the graphics went downhill. But what I want to see is if the processing power is going to be four times better. And it's going to be able to handle all of this, you know, more information and whatnot. And it's going to be able to give us those faster loading screens and, and the, um, the whole uh, keeping a consistent frame rate at 60 FPS. You know, I want to see a game graphically that blows me away to no end and one that has all of those animations and all of the all of the gameplay gimmicks and and, and, and uh, all the gameplay features and stuff like that. So I think you probably remember that thread. But I do, I do, what yeah, I want, yeah. yeah, what I want to do is I want to see a game consistently display graphics year in and year out that don't go downhill, and they can keep adding to it. I, I'm, I'm possibly with that extra, extra processing power. That will be the case, and and hopefully you would. You'd want it to hopefully want it to be the case, you know, with, with that extra uh, processing power. Absolutely, I've got a few few things I would like to see in the next generation, building on how what this generation did right and what it did wrong. As far as goodwill is concerned, I, I think we have to accept until the bubble bursts, you know, the, the bubble that uh, the Jim Sterling has talked about, and you know, let's hope he's right about that because it would really. Uh, um, uh, help AAA gaming, and I, I won't do a Jim Sterling impression on the AAA gaming. But if you if you know Jim Sterling, you know how he says it. It's all always he says, funny. He says, he's a bunch of bastards. But, uh, Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I can do with uh, with with the whole microtransactions. They're not going anywhere. Uh, I think if you approach them fairly, then for, and in, in a way that it'll, it'll help people out for a shortcut, but it won't dictate the competitive balance. That's you know, that's fine. I think what I what I'd like to see them to do in lieu of of you know, getting rid of microtransactions, which is not going to happen until such time as the bubble bursts, is that there are more loyalty bonuses or returning gamer bonuses that you can have a one time import of attributes or maybe a couple of your favorite cards from the card collecting modes in the previous game, or that if you reach a certain level in the previous game, you can get a boost in the next one. I think that would be a tremendous show of goodwill, and you would still get and would actually encourage people to get into those modes and probably spend a bit of money as well, because you're already giving them a bit of goodwill, uh, a, a fair deal. So I think people would actually be more open to open to those other practices. 
The other thing that I, that I really like to see, uh, or another big thing I would like to say, I should say, is choice. And what I mean by that is giving people a full choice over the way they play the game. So if you want to play... Currently, if you want to play my career, for example, if you want to play online modes, you've got to play through the story first to unlock the skip story option. So you've got to play through it, play through that story, and to either get to the NBA or get to the online modes or or both if you're playing a bit of everything. And if you want to upgrade your play, you've really got to do a bit of everything. Like in 2K20, if you want to get all your badges, really have to play some NBA games to get all the, the um, experience points to do so. And if you want to unlock a lot of the rewards, you've got to play online to get your my rep up. I would, I'd like to see it where the gamers can choose the choose the experience they want. So if you only ever want to play Playground, you don't have to touch anything else. If you only want to play the NBA career, you can go through that, and you can also skip the story as well. Maybe there are benefits to playing through the story, and they'll make you want to consider it, or maybe you do have to just do it at least once, fair enough, if they're putting that much energy into it, and resources, fine. Or if you just want to play Pro-Am, you can play Pro-Am and it should be as viable to play each of those modes and level up your player without having to touch anything else. And that's a that's a big thing that, uh, you know, the, at, at the moment you kind of have to play a bit of everything or at least two modes to, to get the to all, all the benefits. So there should be, each choice should be viable. Same goes for builds for your player, that there shouldn't be all the OP builds and then the broken builds that are no good to have online or ones that are good for online but they're not fun to play with offline, things like that. Proper proper game balance, um, cross cross uh, cross platform. I think is going to be big, so that you can always get that user base. Uh, and if they're going to establish a competitive scene, as they've been trying to do, and of course they've got the esports league now with the NBA Two K League, you need to have proper matchmaking, and no more of this throwing everyone into the same neighborhood and just having the the, the noobs in with the elite players and just oh tough luck. Proper matchmaking and a, a proper competitive scene online leagues, that kind of thing. And and also, finally, bring back stuff that worked in previous generations, maybe update it as necessary for the current crowd. But if it was a great idea back then and it's still relevant now, make sure it's in the game and don't just take it out. I mean, sometimes... Especially it, NBA Live, especially UEA Sports. Yes, absolutely. And if it were, I mean, a standalone playoffs mode, it is still relevant to have if you want to jump in and play a playoff series. You know, play, play a playoff bracket today. Don't just so you can set your own brackets. You don't have to sim through a season or whatever. It's just such a staple. Make sure those staples are in the game. Um, but as far as innovation goes, yeah, I, I think uh, choice, goodwill, and uh, yeah, and, and bringing back uh, ideas and keeping keeping ideas that are working. And one thing I really want is not changing what isn't broken, because that that's that's been a big thing as well. There's two. That's the biggest thing with NBA Live. <laughs> So that's with their series is they constantly um, have taken out things that people liked features yep. and gameplay um, type deals. Uh, there's two things that you, that I wanted to also bring up that I would love to see in next gen with the new processing power. One would be different filters for each decade. So if you're playing um, using 60s teams and they're at home, it's black and white. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, and they did that with an old NBA Jam, actually. Um, I can't remember which one it was. They, uh, NBA Jam you, 2004. That's what it was, yeah. Yep. And so I'd like to see that. Another thing that I'd like to see innovation-wise is differentiation with the decades as far as different slider sets for each one pre-programmed into the game. 
So, you know, if you're with the 90s, there's more phys- they're more physical um, and whatnot. That wouldn't need to be on next gen, but just something that, I, you know, for the new processing power. But there's just something I'd like to see. But also play style of different players. So, you know, back when the rules, like for the 1960s and 70s, you couldn't put your hand on the side of the ball. which is why dribbling looks funny. So it looks like Bob Cousy slapping the ball. But the only reason why Bob Cousy and Oscar Robertson and um, Wally Jones and and Lucius Luscious Allen, or Lucius Allen, I believe his name is, the only reason why it looks funny when they're dribbling is because back then it's a carry if you put your hand on the side of the ball. Yeah. So I think it would be cool to have different... players dribble the way like more players dribble the way they did according to their time frame so, and so, i mean we so have more, more like era specific rules and animations maybe era specific rules era specific animations different league animations so they did an amazing job with the wnba on 2k20 yeah but it would be cool to see a completely an, an animation system just for the wnba and then one just for the NBA, because you can tell a lot of them are integrated. They go like back and forth, like the WNBA and the NBA one. They're, they're a lot very similar. But I think with the new processing power and everything, it would be cool to have era-specific animations, um, more animations, um, different league um, animations for the women and the men and whatnot. And I think that they maybe they can do something like that. I don't know if they will, but that would be cool. And I, I again, totally agree. Going back to my choice, the other thing would concepts like the neighborhood where you have to run around and go to stores to shop and things like that. Uh, even if they introduce it as kind of like online shopping or something, uh, where you can just get, bring up your phone or whatever in the neighborhood or the menu and just get get something straight away. That you can do it either way. That you can navigate the neighborhood if you want to run around in this virtual world, or if you can do it the old school way and just bring up a menu. I think just giving players the choice, uh, more control over that experience. Uh, I think is just. The curated experience, I think, also really uh, is very limited. Uh, I'm going to write an article about it, um, but but if, if you go back and, and look at the the micro modes, circa you know the early ones like 2K13, 14, all the things you could try, like demanding trades, which you can still do, of course, and and trying to get the coach fired and things like that, because you could do multiple saves. It, it wasn't just auto save everything, everything synced to the server because it's just all online and connected now. You were able to experiment. So you could do something wild and wacky and just see how it worked out, but still keep that save and go back to it. I, I think now because it's so important to pick the right build, pick the right animations, well, you can choose different animations, that's, that's easy, but it's so easy to get, to, it's, it's so important rather to get all the right choices and be on the right team so that you can grind your badges properly. And if you, you've got to commit to any decision, which is part of the challenge, of course, but then it's also very limiting. You don't want to experiment. You don't want to get crazy. It leads to this very homogenized experience, uh, and that that's, everyone's kind of having the same experience. Or if you want the best experience, there is a, a way to play. So it's a very curated experience, very homogenized. Although when you look at it, maybe that kind of relates to the way the NBA is now, with a lot of the analytics and you know the, the way the game has quote unquote evolved. Uh, that it's it's kind of kind of reflects that, and it's kind of a shame why perhaps sometimes I don't have as much fun with the games as I used to. And why I don't maybe enjoy the NBA as much as I used to either. It almost feels like they're programming everybody the same. Yeah, almost like um, cookie like cutter. Their yeah, it's cookie production, cutter. production line. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and so I, I definitely agree with that. And you know how I feel about the, the current NBA product as far as that goes, as far as, you know, almost every NBA team playing the same, almost every team playing four or five out, almost every team playing undersized, almost every team taking 30 to 35 threes per game and um, taking the variety out of the game, almost every team not utilizing mid-range, almost every team not going into the post. So um, playing at a similar pace, and, and, and I agree. And it's, it, the NBA itself feels very cookie-cutter. Like every team. Yeah. So, um, and so I wanted to bring... Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, it's funny because the parallels that we've just brought up here, you look back at, at how I felt about basketball gaming and the NBA itself, and people say, oh, you know, go back to the 90s or whatever. And, I mean, there are games from the 90s that I like. NBA Live 2000 does hold up respectably well for a game that's 20 years old now. But I wouldn't necessarily play it that much over a newer game not necessarily 2K20 all the time, but maybe an, another more recent game. It's the, the, the nostalgia and what we liked and when we stopped liking something or we started to change and be more critical, it wasn't just back the, at the 80s or the 90s. You know, I, I felt about basketball gaming, this, this is something that I feel, but both real, both the real NBA and NBA video games, that it's, it's really up until kind of the, the middle of this last decade that we're almost uh, at the end of now, of 2019, that the change kind of was around that 2014, 2015 that I started to have these that that disconnect and, and that feeling about both gaming and the real and real basketball. So, so it's not like I've hated everything for 20 years now or anything like that, or both on the virtual hardwood and the real. So it, it's again, it's and those excuses that are made for, uh, you know, progress is not always in the right direction. And then we've talked about that before, but it, yeah, it's, it's just funny that those parallels that we're seeing between the real NBA and uh, NBA video games. People most often complain because they have something. There's a, something wrong with some something. They're they're not getting enjoyment out of um, what they're watching, or they see a problem in it. It's it's not always nostalgia or being biased or being a fanboy or or whatnot. There's something there's something that's affecting that person's experience in a negative in, in a negative way whether it be participating or being a viewer and whatnot. Um, and unfortunately, and, and by the way, I'm in the same boat. I, it was, it was, or I think it was around 2014 or 2015 when I was really starting to look at the NBA, uh, the, the product itself and NBA games in um, a negative light in, in different ways. I think that, and while 2K14, 2K15, 2K16, 2K17 were all pretty good releases for me, um, my complaints for the 2K series really started, and, and think about this, and, and that's a good, and that's a great point. My complaints with the 2K series. When did you see me start really complaining? It was 2K18. Yeah. And with live, I started complaining in Live 06. So you're still going to call me an old head because I'm complaining about you know the newer generations of of 2K when there's a completely different time. For, I'm obviously complaining for a reason. Yeah. Because I've been complaining about live, you know, since the mid 2000s, and I just started complaining about 2K. So, and by the way, Live 06. How old was I when Live? I was like 21. Yeah. When Live 06 came out, so, you know, was I an old head then when I was complaining? Like it just, it, I hate the, I, the the old head thing just drives me up a wall. Um, and because I was complaining about Live 06 and. I old head wasn't around then. Nobody was saying old head, but no. because I was playing live 06 and preferred live 2000, what were my complaints invalid? 
<laughs> because you think that I'm biased towards Live 2000? These, these no. damn, damn 21-year-olds and their nostalgia for uh, when they were 15, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my 15-year-old cool self and then my old head self at 21. Um, I wanted to say something really quick because I, you might remember this, but we were talking about innovations. This isn't an innovation, but it's something I kind of thought was cool. Do you remember in the Dreamcast they had like this add-on where it, it showed your play calling? Oh, like uh, the it's on the controller. I, I didn't. I've never played Dreamcast. No. Okay, so Dreamcast had an add-on where um, it basically, when you were like when you were playing NFL 2K or whatever, it showed your plays on your controller. So oh, okay. your so your um, the person you were playing on because this was back when actually everybody was playing local play. Um, the, the person you were playing against locally couldn't see the plays you were calling. Of, of course, because you'd, you'd see it on the screen. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but now I'm playing with my brother, and we played a game of 2K17 tonight, and any time I call for a post-up or a screen or any play or whatever, he sees the pop-up. Yeah. So it's, well, he can see what I'm doing, so he's getting ready for it. And because the play thing pop up, pops up. So... What I'd like to see is something along the. I know local play doesn't matter anymore (laughs) to the majority because that's it's been pushed out. I would love to see some sort of system where some where I can play locally, and this is probably selfish because not a lot of people are doing this. Where I can play locally and call plays, and my brother can't see everything that I'm what I'm that I'm calling. (laughs) Well, that's that's the thing, but but you still can because you you can turn the notifications off. But then you can't see them either, so you can't always see it. It, it, it beats the purpose. Yeah, you can't always see that right. the, the the input has been made correctly. That's that's the benefit of any kind of on-screen pop-ups and you know heads-up display. Do you know as as much as they can be immersion-breaking sometimes to actually see that your input has actually worked, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And so what happens is is when you have play calling um, messages off, you. You either, it, from a memory, because I've tried this before, um, it's still the, the pop-up, especially for 2K17, the pop-up still shows up that I'm calling a play, but it doesn't give me the play art. Oh, okay, okay. Right, so, that, so yeah. you can still see that I'm calling the play, but I can't see the play art. So, again, he can see any play that I'm calling, he just can't see where the players are going. Oh, okay, so, I, so uh, I, I thought it disabled. I thought it was an option to disable it completely, but yeah, that's yeah. that defeats the purpose. Then, yeah, yeah, and, it, and even if there was an option to play, to disable it completely, how do I know what I'm running? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was just a kind of just wanted to add that in because it's something that I remember Dreamcast having, and I thought it was super cool. And then um, they never did anything with that since, and probably because, like we said, local play is not the thing anymore but, but even even as a concept it, it just goes to show that a lot of games a lot of a lot of things are older than people think and and i think that maybe goes back to uh, again you, you talk about the nba discussions about uh, you know that there were great athletes and great players and skills players you know before that even before our time too you know that not not everything is as new as each generation thinks it is now i think as i've gotten a bit older and ended my 30s i, I realized i've looked back and not did not thrown out everything I ever believed in or thought, but maybe looked at it with a bit more experience and maturity and world knowledge and, and, and you know, real world knowledge and learning a few things outside of school and realizing, uh, yes, that certain ideas and, and concepts and, and things are a bit older than my generation. You know, it was not, we're not just, 
it's not just us versus the old heads, you know, which is not to say that some old people don't have, you know, silly ideas too. And we, we don't need to get into that because that's a whole scope of human history and all kinds of topics we don't cover. But it's to, to think that any generation or, or any group of people is, is always going to be completely wrong about, about art, if, if nothing else, and video games, you know, Again, that, I'm making very broad statements. I kind of want to bring it down into video games because there are a lot of bad ideologies out there um, about certain things in the real world, which are beyond the scope of a basketball video gaming podcast. But the, the idea that perhaps people didn't know or, or what good athletes were or what what good game video game concepts were, and, and that that we we kind of get past 25 and become irrelevant and, and too stuck in our ways to to be relevant and have relevant ideas. Uh, I, I think you, you, looking back and Maybe we felt a little bit that way ourselves uh, at, when we were younger, and now we've kind of grown out of that, and we can look back and see that with, with perspective that maybe younger people will have, hopefully, as as they uh, tack on a few more years on the clock. But uh, well, the problem is, yeah. Andrew, is that you and I know this. We could we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours of the effect that that communication has and those ideologies and whatnot has on society sure. outside of. Like basketball gaming so it's it's tough you you can call it a ramble but you didn't sound like you're rambling but it, the 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 whole thing is it's really hard to articulate the scope yeah of uh, that of the, how it affects things and 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 those attitudes impact things i mean i also didn't want to speak in uh in absolutes because obviously there's certain social issues and so so forth that uh you know there are bad bad bad, bad ideologies out there of course uh which you know we don't need to get into we you know at this time but uh yeah the, the dismissing of that that knowledge of of old heads and you know putting aside the nba discussion and, and focusing on video games for a moment uh, obviously with what we do on this on the podcast but um d- defending bad practices like you brought up uh the thread on os about oh they've been doing it for a long time stop complaining um d- defending the companies that are, that are doing the bad things and defending the bad practices and the practices are lacking in goodwill um, because again you can complement the good things while also pointing out the bad which as we've pointed out before so it's it's strange to be so loyal to the company that you can't say okay well look i love what they're doing with the with the retro content and the gameplay and i'm loving the modes and I'm having a great time with the game but yeah what they're doing with microtransactions is kind of messed up you know you, you can you can cover both and have differing opinions on different parts of the game and i think it's that or that you know all or nothing approach now i I do think that the internet has uh really forced that idea of the false dichotomy that you know everything's good and it's either good or bad and there's no in between as far as quality of a product you know there's no mediocrity there's no mostly good with with some flaws or flawed with some pretty good ideas it either meets the standard of being excellent or it's shit that's basically, right. you know, and, and it's that false dichotomy of it, it ticks all the boxes or it's worthless. And and, I, and no, there's something can be pretty good, but have a lot of problems and or have a few problems that are worth pointing out. And yeah, it's it's or, and we see it with people talking about NBA players as well. You either tick all the boxes and you're a great player or you're or you're garbage. And like, no, you could just be a very good and talented player, but kind of inefficient and have a few problems, you know, with with your game. It, it's not. It's not all or nothing. Yeah, Judd, uh, like uh, if it, like you're in your own inner, inner circle, um, you know. So somebody goes, you know, uh, uh, Josh yelled 
Uh, I saw Josh yelling at somebody again. Oh, well, that's just Josh. You know, that's just Josh. That's just, that's just how Josh is. That doesn't make it okay. Yeah, that's that doesn't true, yeah. action. That's the you're you're accepting Josh for Josh, but that doesn't mean that Josh is okay in his actions. That doesn't mean what he's doing is a positive, and that somebody shouldn't say, "Hey, Josh, stop yelling at people." Yeah. Just you know, just so, and just because Josh is cool or trendy, or because you like Josh, that doesn't change his action. That's a good way of putting so, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and as far as the you know a, a good example of what you were talking about as far as they do this with the NBA is, you know, I just saw a whole thread about saying Curry is trash, Steph Curry, you know, and <laughs> it's basically, yeah. So, um, I can, I'll send it to you maybe off the call or maybe tomorrow. Um, but you know, Steph Curry is not trash. No, Steph Curry does a lot of things well on the basketball court for his teammates, actually in the community too, as a person. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, as a player and he has a lot of great attributes as a player, um, but you're lo- you saying Curry is trash is an actual false statement. But because it's cool to say Curry is trash in some circles, you got backing on it, and it may and it makes it and somehow it makes it okay, and somehow it makes it not fact but an acceptable stance on a, an, an acceptable basketball take, an acceptable soundbite, and. It's it's just that cycle continues and these general statements about players and we see it sometimes on the forums too, you know like, you know Greg Monroe is trash, or or this guy is trash or this guy is garbage or why would they take him he's trash we heard it about Mello for years, yeah. and then all of a sudden with Carmelo Anthony came back it was cool again to like Mello. So all these people that were saying Mello was trash and a ball hog and everything, suddenly when it became cool, when he came back and Portland signed him and it became trendy, all of them, all of a sudden, were Mello fans. He's, he's, not, get, he's not getting a fair go, but for years they're saying, oh, he's outdated, he should be out of the league, just retire or whatever, come off the bench, and now suddenly, oh, you know, he needs a chance. And it's yeah, yeah exactly. Did all the same people who were saying Mello's a ball hog, Mello plays no defense, um, no, Mello doesn't help teams, and look what happened in OKC in Houston. All the people that were saying he didn't deserve it to be in the league and be retired, and he should retire, even media members, all of them are now, you know, basically praising him up and down, and we're so we're like, oh, it's so cool to see Mello back, and and, and all of that stuff. So. It's really a cycle that continues every year, and I feel like it's just getting worse at the height of social media. It, it is funny that they're calling that about the Steph Curry stuff is really, you know, funny. You know, <laughs> you can just laugh about it because it was only a couple of years ago that that it really was well established. You know, Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say absolutely to that, but I think he. If somebody said that, I think that, that I think Curry is at least one of the greatest shooters or is the greatest shooter, I would entertain that idea because he is an incredible shooter that it's not out of bounds. I mean, if you said, for example, Yinkadare is the greatest shooter in NBA history, I'd say, well, yeah, you might want to um, come up with a compelling argument for that, a very compelling argument for that. Um, Curry, I think or you can... Passer, or the best passer best, in best NBA passer, history. Yeah, he's, he's the best playmaker in NBA history, Yinkadare, yeah. He was, he was so good he didn't <laughs> even need to pass. Um, but, uh, if I mean, that's... They were talking about Curry being an all-time great, and it was only a few months ago that people were saying that. So it's strange how quickly the narrative can change. And and, and to that point, I also want to say trash, like cartoonish, has become such an overused word as a thought term and cliche and buzzword to criticize something that 
as soon as I hear it, uh, it's uh, it's very hard to take seriously anymore. Just like clown, oh, clown that, is you. That's that's oh, the next one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that's that's and it and it gets run into the ground and and it's uh, as thought terminating cliches and and it's it's a real shame. Yeah. As far as nostalgia goes, thinking about that with you know to relate it back to the next gen and current gen, last gen, etc. You know, we, we talk about our nostalgia, and we, and we talked about that on the 25th anniversary show as well. The games we look back and, and think, you know, oh, that was a high point in time. And, and yes, while things, while certain things have gotten better, it was such a high point because of the design concepts and how good it was for the tech at the time and, and for how far video games had come at the time. And, and I think back to the, the 2000s when a lot of us were looking back at, at NBA Live 2000, for example, as a high point, which it absolutely is few years go by and, and looking back and oh 2005 especially as as nba live was struggling from 06 onwards and then it's it's funny to look back at now some of the younger gamers um having that that uh that nostalgia for nba 2k 11 or 12 and it, it's it's i guess we're also you see that. and it's uh for oh, 2K11. oh I, I i i agree you know that is a great game but it's it's funny how you know that and shows, I guess, how how quickly time has passed this generation, this uh, this decade. How quickly it's gone that uh, the game. I remember the days when we we're like, oh, I remember two thousand five, two thousand. Oh, you know, that, those are great. And and now people are saying two K eleven, two K because it feels like only yesterday that they came out. Yet here we are, about to hit twenty twenty. And I think maybe as much as anything, it, it reminds me that uh, that I am thirty five, and <laughs> that the last decade has really flown. No, for me too. Um, I think the high points for for me were, and this is just basketball gaming in general, not just live 2K, but the the biggest jumps for me, like visually and just technology-wise and and where I was kind of blown away, was NBA Fast Break 98, which I've talked about before, for... um, for PlayStation. That was a big one for me. I just, like I told you, I couldn't believe how realistic things looked. Um, NBA live 2000. That was a big jump. I think visually, um, and just gameplay wise and just the, the ambiance of the game. Yeah. All of that. Um, NBA 2k, the original was a big moment. Um, NBA live 2003 was a huge moment. Um, NBA 2k six, which was my official move to 2k. Um, was a big one. I'd say NBA um, 2K9 was just, it blew me away. I loved what they did with the graphics over 2K8 and the gameplay was tighter overall. Um, So 2K9 was another one that blew me away and it got more out of the technology um, than I thought it could. Um, Obviously 2K11 blew us away. That That was probably the biggest jump in video possibly the biggest jump in video game history from 2k10 to 2k11 as far as yeah as far as the way it looked and all the modes and the way it felt and and all of that stuff and then i'd say 2k14 for next gen we talked about the the graphics and the lighting and everything but the visual appeal of that blew me away and um 2k17 just the feel of it when i first got it so for me um you know, over the years, as we've been switching gens and, and whatnot, those are probably the highlights for me. And bringing that up, I mean, each generation has its legacy. You look at what NBA Live 95 did, being the jump from NBA Showdown. I mean, that's another big jump in basketball gaming history. Yeah. Um, the, getting through to the, the, the first real 3D era and what NBA Live 2000 did, and then getting into the, the, P, the real PS2 era, PS2 and, and Xbox, 
with the the right stick controls um i think that's one of the big when you look at the legacy of each uh each generation and and you look at the 16-bit era the the legacy of uh, of nba live 95 introducing a lot of the staples that that we've come to expect of, of the sim basketball games and really 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 adding things like a steel button or turbo and things like that um with when it gets to the 3d era really getting proper plays that look right that's and and signatures yeah signature like, anime and, and things like that uh ps2 era you think of right stick controls you know expanding the controls that way uh, the seventh gen 360 ps3 and the pc ports of course is referring to pc ports all the way through this uh it's something like maybe the Jordan Challenge that's got that historical content, things that we never thought we'd ever see because of licensing issues and also the quality and, and how deep they were getting. What is the legacy of this generation that we're in at the moment, the eighth generation, you know, PS4, Xbox One, and again, it's, it's relative PC ports? Because, I mean, I hate to be negative about it and keep harping on a point that I've talked about, not on just this show, but previous shows and, of course, many articles and in the forum. It In a, in a way... The legacy of this generation, sadly, has kind of come down to microtransactions and and really expanding the game so that it's, yes, such a huge phenomenon as far as brand recognition and everything, but also shifting beyond basketball in ways that are kind of cool in some respects, but in some ways that are are kind of disappointing as well. It's been... I feel like we should be in a golden era right now, yet I'm not sure that we are, and... I hate to be negative like that and really, and, and I guess this kind of, again, relates it back to the real NBA as well. It feels like in some ways, some certain things are better than ever, but it feels like it could be so much more that it's gone in a direction that's very, something about it. And I don't want to use the, uh, use cliche terms. So it's very hard, but something about the heart of the games is, is, is as different. It, and maybe it's that manufactured feel and the, the push towards, recurrent revenue and advertising of things, advertising on the jerseys, uh, something about it. Again, it sounds very cliche. The soul of the games, the soul of the sport, if you, if you know what I mean, I, I, f- I feel we're on the same wavelength with that. So you probably know what I'm talking about. We are. Yeah. There's, there's two things that this, this gen is going to be remembered for two things. One, my career stories. True. Two, True. two virtual currency. That's what this gen, this, this gen is going to be remembered for. Um, I think my career stories probably got the most talk, um, especially early on, on this gen. Um, I think that, not and, and what's disappointing, and you're going to agree with this, gameplay has not been innovative mm. overall. The, the on-court action, you remember we were getting, you know, like you said, there was like right stick dribbling and then, um, we got more signature moves and and stuff like that and and whatnot and they they were doing things for the on court action. Honestly, at the end of this gen, the last three games, that part of the product got worse. Yeah, and, and the on court product and even with two K fourteen, which blew away people graphically, two K fourteen for Xbox One had the exact same gameplay mechanics as 2K14 for the PC. That's right. Those gameplay mechanics were ported over. So as much as that blew people away looking-wise, and it still was a good gameplay experience, like I've stated in the past, they didn't do anything innovative on the court that stands out. They didn't do anything really on the court that stands out for 2K15, 2K16, or 2K17 either. Nothing that screams 
um, you know, innovation or something that somebody's going to re- remember. And outside of my career stories, they didn't really implement any modes that people are going to remember this by, this what? gen by. I mean, online, maybe like online features and stuff, but look off. And yes, maybe they've added classic teams, but remember a lot of these kids don't supposedly care that much about they're, they're all plumbers. Remember, some are dentists, I suppose, but <laughs> some are dentists. And now we have Fortnite players and accountants and used car salesmen. But yeah, the, the, the point is, is that amazing, I, I amazing how all these people that have other vocations get into basketball, isn't it? It's, truly is the global game it is really the the global game look at davis bertans yeah who 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 just he's averaging like 24 points a game over his last six or seven games and he looks like he just got pulled out from under a car and (laughs) in the nba so um anyway the point is and he did my taxes actually but the, the whole the whole point is is that in between the lines, the on court action, I don't think that this series will be remembered much for that at all. This yeah, this this gen- as far so. as the on court action goes, I think it also the legacy of this generation is that a very dramatic shift from the single player experience to the multiplayer experience, because that's a lot of where a lot of the focus I think gameplay has gone into trying to balance that with very mixed results. You know, the, the online has really expanded this generation. For better or worse, positively and negatively, you know, I think they've done great things with the online experience. To the fact that I, someone who is traditionally a franchise gamer and, a, and offline gamer, uh, actually has been interested in playing online. You know, not so much the last couple of years for various reasons that I've gone into on podcasts and articles before. But it's it has been enticing, you know, to, to somebody like me that is traditionally an offline gamer, liking the single player experiences. So there has been that shift, and I think that may be part of the legacy as well. Which is great because of the innovation, but also bad because of what it's done as far as affecting the balance of the offline, and I think also cultivating the very toxic atmosphere that we sometimes see among gamers these days, because the online scene, for all the great stuff it does, and as much as it should bring games, gamers together and create a community, does cultivate those toxic attitudes sometimes, and that, that, that is sadly part of the legacy as well for all the great things that it's done in the innovations. It, it's also perhaps not taken into, effect, into account you know, building the community the way the community used to be, a, a community of hardcore basketball gamers. I think they, um, I think you nailed it, but, and, and I agree. I think, I think there's been more frustration with online components and, and modes and, and gameplay than there has been enjoyment. So yeah. it's, I think overall that's going to be looked at as a negative on this gen going by all the feedback that I've seen. Um, so yeah, we definitely, we, we can definitely agree on that. I think that, um, you know, they tried something with the gameplay. They tried the takeover thing. Yep. That hasn't really taken off. Um, and I think that it was also kind of poorly implemented. And it's turning, and like you said, it's kind of the game's kind of lost its soul. Like, the, 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 game, the games, to me, just don't have the same connection as they used to. Um, as far as, like, getting me hooked and... and you know, wowing me and all that and, and whatnot, especially with the on-court product. But, like, the takeover system almost makes the sim aspect of the game go away. Yeah. When takeover on, it's it's almost like um, an arcade ridiculous thing, in my opinion. I'm sorry, I think the takeover thing is a little ridiculous. Um, 
it's almost like turning your player into a superhero yeah, for a yeah. short time with elite abilities and escalated abilities that um, make it make him better than he would ever be in real life during that span of time. And I think that they did try that, and I think it failed. Just my opinion. I don't know. I, like, and, and from the feed, I, I don't see really any feedback on the takeover thing. To be completely honest, I don't see a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> but... I mean, if nothing else, I don't, think, I don't think it's resonated as much as they thought it would. And because yeah, because it's become because yeah. it's become part of the whole meta gaming and build controversy as well. I think that's also part of the problem that it's it's you know what, which takeover ability do you get if you have a few with your hybrid build that you've created? It, it's become that, the discussion has become very much about about builds and, and how and how to best what 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 is the best way of doing it? Not just the way that works for you because some things aren't viable online, and that's the problem is that if you want to create a player that's like you or, or has and abilities that you like, it may not be that viable. And of course you can't respec. So, and you know, that, that's a whole other, other situation and a whole other discussion, of course, but th- th- there is that, it, it comes down to the homogenization of the experience that, that I think is, uh, it makes a film mass produced and not, and not as special. Although and, and it comes down, I think that's why online is perhaps as popular as it is because it comes down to that. Did you have a competitive game online? Did you, did you get to trash talk somebody? Did you get to call someone trash? Did you get to throw a bunch of, of slurs around, which is sadly another part of online gaming that just is uh, popped up. I mean, that's always been the case, I suppose, since some people behind a keyboard, behind a microphone. <laughs> so uh, those people that get on their microphones and just talk to you, you know, they you can't listen to them except except us, except us of course. Um, it's, uh, and everybody's tough. And everybody's on. Everybody's tough on a microphone. Uh, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but but I think that it's definitely definitely a part of it. And and we've seen it in the NBA as well. To, to relate it back to that discussion. That, uh, that we've felt that has affected our connection to it. But it's also, I think, for me, realizing that through this generation, getting older, looking ahead to the next generation, that that I am an, that I am an older gamer now, that I'm not necessarily in that core demographic. And that's something I think maybe that we'll touch on in a, in a future episode, the, the whole idea of being older gamers and kind of in the upper end of the core demographic or maybe starting to get out of that core demographic, you know, how, how we relate to that and, and how... But yet we still could be catered to without anyone else losing anything. And that's that's the thing to relate it back to, I think, something we said last week or the week before, the, the idea that we have to, that somebody has to be left out in the cold, that somebody has to not get their way when games do have a way of catering to that wide audience. And, and you brought it up on the show, on this show as well, earlier on. And, and that is something I think the next generation should do and would really be a, not a next-gen thing, but certainly a great thing for next-gen would be, like I said, the choices to to be able to cater to everybody and be able to give that experience because there is a way of doing it with enough matchmaking options and different options in the modes themselves and different slider settings, like you said, and maybe retro settings and all things that could be done packed into these games with so much more processing power and storage space and everything else. You you can have these products that are bigger, better, more expansive than ever before, and and that's what I'd love to see out of next gen. You know, it's not just being old. It's not just older gamers. It's older fans of the yep. sport itself. And I think you know to touch on what you 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 mentioned earlier is watching the NBA now. Just the competition level is so much lower than what we grew up with. The the, the it, it feels like players are mostly going through the motions and they're not as competitive and they're making business decisions constantly at the rim and just moving out of the way while people get wide open layups. There's um, 
players aren't showing the same bounce anymore. They're not throwing it down on people. There's not as many players who are, um, you know, gritty on defense and really, you know, take passion on that end and take passion stopping the, the person in front of them. And, and players are mostly playing the same. And there's more one-dimensional players than ever. And it's just... Which it's is taken... funny because they, 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 everyone's saying that players now are more well-rounded than ever before. Then it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And it's the exact opposite. And you can see it from the play styles and what they're able to do. And then when they get, that, when they get out of their comfort zone, it's ugly. When they're not just sparting up for a three or jumping in or, or stepping into a three, they're, um, they, they, don't, they really can't do much else. Yeah. And, Load, um, man- load you know, management for, as well. Load management resting and Westbrook took a game off tonight for rest, which is, I think his second that he's taken off of the season, Mm -hmm. you know, Kawhi Leonard's resting LeBron did it last season and whatnot. And, and then they know their players are talking about wanting shortened seasons and they're taught and they're playing less minutes than ever, but injuries are at their highest that they've ever been non-contact injuries too. Yeah. Uh, The injuries are at the highest they've ever been, but the game is, is the lowest physicality it's ever been it's and and the rules heavily favor the offense and you can't touch the offensive player yet everybody's going down with injuries and a lot of it is big games donkich went down tonight um he hurt um he hurt his ankle and so there's a lot of ridiculous things and you know we grew up we grew up in the 90s and we remember so many players with bounce and throwing it down on people my brother and i just watched a game um, from 1993 um, between the Hawks and the Knicks. And, the, you know, Kevin Willis and Stacey Ogman and, and Dominique Wilkins, this is after his injury, and Patrick Ewing, and, and these guys are just, they're, they're contesting each other at the rim and they're throwing it down on each other and there's so much bounce and there's so many highlights and there's, there's, there's mid-range and there's post and there's tweeners and there's threes and there's deep twos and there's moves around the rim and there's moves, you know, going from one side of the backboard to the other. And there's all these athletes and all this explosion and there's this excitement and the crowd is loud and, and there's so much passion. And this is the Hawks and the Knicks. The Hawks weren't great at that time. And, and, and they, um, they made the playoffs. I think they were the eight seed and they, and they got bounced by Jordan. But the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, they talk about the game being more explosive and the athletes better. Now the highlights aren't 10% of what we had from, from athletes that we had over in the nineties or in the, even, or even like in the early two thousands, like the Steve Francis's and whatnot. This is, in my opinion, a less athletic, group of basketball players and a less skilled group of basketball players and the past and the less competitive group of basketball players. And there's a lot of things that factor into that, you know, with between money in the game, the poison that is the AAU system, um, you know, it, it trickles down to the coaching at those levels and it trickle in, in, in all of that. And in, in the analytics approach and the advanced stats approach and all and the, um, in the business decision to pro- approach and all of that stuff. And what it does is it takes the passion, love and excitement out of the game that you and I loved that Absol- made us fall in yeah. love, that made us fall in love with basketball. And what, what makes it worse for people like me, as you've seen my Twitter feed is people glorifying it. Yep. And even, 
you know, crapping on past decades and past generations that not only had great athletes, but oftentimes had better athletes than anybody today. Hmm. So it's just, it's in, it's just really heartbreaking for me to see as a basketball fan for, you know, now since, like I said, the first season I can remember watching is ninety ninety one for almost 30 years. It just, it, it breaks my heart. And it's funny how it is reflected by the games. And maybe that is the games being more realistic than we think with the blow buys and things like that. And that homogenized approach is, is very reflective of the, the current NBA. So in, in, we're still getting that realism in a way. Maybe it's, and that's not to say that there aren't problems with the games and the motion system and the tech and the ratings and tendencies, etc. But in a way that they're, for us at least, capturing, replicating a game, a sport that's not as we remember it and not as high quality as we remember it. Yeah, and that's possible. And, you know, that's, and like you said, it doesn't take away from any of the actual issues that are in the game, like the skating and the being sucked into other players and players, um, you know, constant red carpet rides to the hoop with no resistance and and whatnot those those are very real issues and legacy issues like body steals and body blocks and floaty passes and players um having eyes in the back of their head and just ripping balls out of the air um and stuff like that like those are all real those and those don't reflect the current product either but like you said, you know, what the way they're making the games and how the defense has really gone downhill in 2K and they've tried this um, this new motion system and everything. I think it's a failed attempt in a lot of ways at emulating the current product. But you can see what they're trying to do. Like yeah. I can see I see the vision and what they're trying to do. It's just executed poorly on on different levels. And I agree with you. I think, you know, we were talking about to get back on topic, what we want to see in games moving forward on next gen is i want to see the passion put back into creating into the basketball product yeah the actual on-court gameplay i want to see innovation on the bat on the on-court gameplay i want to see good feel good flow and i want to see an innovative mode or two added for offline I want to see, I want to see passion into something else besides online and virtual currency, yeah, and and and, and greediness. I want to, and I want to see that from both 2K and Live because, as you and I both know, it's all about making memories, and it doesn't matter the title of the game. Definitely, that that's that's a good way of putting it. And do you think you'll get uh, a new console? Do you think well, you just stick with PC and maybe upgrade? Oh no! I'll I'll get the new console. So I have I have the PS4 and the Xbox One. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, just I just use the PC ninety nine percent of the time. Sure. So I'll I'll get the console and I'll definitely get the console version. As I've told you, I have like the console versions of most of the past two Ks and lives. Anyway, even if I don't play them because I'm a collector. So. Um, and I also like to see that experience as well to see how it differs from the PC. But yeah, I'll, so, I'll, I'll end up in the console. So, do, do you yeah. think it'll be because actually the PS4 was the first game I've first console rather that I've got on launch. I actually pre-ordered and went and got a midnight launch party here in Australia, such as it was at JB Hi-Fi, and and got it and brought it home, you know, at midnight and started playing it. And the first game I played was NBA Live 14, which didn't set a great example for, the, for that new generation. Uh, wasn't wasn't the best start for Live. Um, and of course, OS had 2K14 at the same time. Played that next and liked that a little bit better. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think I'll probably get it at launch, um, depending on, again, finance and, and things like that and what, how much it costs and what other uh, financial responsibilities and commitments I have at the time. Uh, do you think it'll be a day one or is it a, a case of where you'll maybe wait for a, uh, a, a sale and then and get, start collecting then? I got the Xbox One right after launch. Um, and I'll probably do the same with the console. I'll probably, get it, I'll probably get it right around launch or like a couple of weeks after um, or something like that if there's any left at that point. I remember they had a shortage. I, th- yeah. I can't remember if yeah. Xbox or PS4s, but they had a shortage around here where after the first couple of weeks they had to like restock up. But I'll probably get it close to launch. I- I'll tell you this, that the, uh, we're lucky enough to on PC where we can just download it, um, yeah. download the game. I'll be pre-ordering that no matter what, like right away, so... And of course, then it also remains to be seen whether they immediately port that new version to PC as well. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think 2K will. Um, that would be incredibly foolish for them not to do that. And and I and I'm I have my fingers crossed for live. So you know, it's we've talked about hoping for the best from future games. Uh, hopefully, this fresh start with, with the new generation will prove to be a fresh start, and that we can shed some of the problems of of the of the past. And, and see some new innovating new innovative things uh, and yeah I, I'm hoping that basketball gaming and and the real basketball as well I mean it's I have my complaints about the current game and both video games and uh, and that and, and I don't I don't want to not be critical because it is important to be constructively critical as we've said so many times before but I, I, I don't enjoy not enjoying things you know what I mean exactly and I've said that before is you know even though people you know they they may express it in different ways and some people are over the top or they you know they'll they'll complain the wrong way they'll say the gameplay is trash those people the majority of the time are having a problem <laughs> yeah. they're having a problem with the game they're just expressing it the wrong way and the number one thing and we've talked about this many times before the number one thing that everybody wants to do and the whole reason people play is to create memories good memories with a game they want to they want to have fun. They want to laugh and joke and compete and just have a good time. Sometimes trash talk, whatever floats your boat. Um, but they want to create memories um, for better or for worse with the game and hopefully for the better. And the problem is, is that if they, if, you know, if something goes wrong, when these games are released for, for this next gen and, you know, li- if live has a soft release, uh, uh, excuse me, a weak release, you know, they're going to hear about it and they should, because again, the, the whole reason for people, you know, giving it an overall negative review is because they're not having that, that good experience and positive experience that they need to have. Something that w- would be great to bring back is that sense of excitement every release which is there but i feel that the last few previous seasons and maybe it's because it's been so one-sided with 2k being so far ahead of live in sales and and quality in in many respects that there hasn't been that excitement for the previous seasons and often we only get about a month of previews whereas before it used to start around about the draft and we just get a whole lot of stuff i do miss that uh maybe that will start up again with the new generation when it comes time to really impress and 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 show off new innovations here's hoping fingers crossed uh, but but I do miss that excitement and that feeling of, you know, I can't wait to get the new game and continue on and have fun just like the last one, whereas a lot of the times, again, with, with modes like with my team and my career, because you've got to start over from scratch thinking, oh man, I had so much fun 
uh, with the last game, but now I'm going to start over from scratch, grind up my player, get all my cards again, and, and you miss the, that team that you had. And it's funny because the new games can feel less fun because you've got to go back to playing with a player that's now 60 overall after you're used to doing all kinds of things with your maxed out player in the last game, or you've been playing my team and you've got all your historical players that you like and the current players you like and you've got this super squad and then you've got to go back and it throttles you back and because you're starting over every year I think there's a lot of fatigue there and uh, if they can find a way in the new, on the next generation to really address that fatigue that comes with it and the, the pain the painfulness of starting over again every year I know that they can't completely make everything carry over because then there's no challenge and recurrent revenue and whatnot. but if they can reduce about that to make their money Andrew well, that's the thing. But if they can find that way, that sweet spot that allows us to hit the ground running with a new game and maybe have some benefits from playing the hell out of the last game while still not cutting into their bottom line. Because I don't think they're... For all the controversy about VC, people still do spend a lot of money on VC. So I think they can afford that goodwill and still find that they might even make even more money because people are saying, hey, you know what? We'll support this company. And you know, people are, gamers are weird like that. People are strange like that. Um, but if they can find a way to reduce that struggle, that pain of starting again every year, that's because I, when I when I first started dabbling with a bit of my career when when two K twenty came out, I thought, oh, this has taken so many steps backwards. And then when I started grinding up the player because I haven't spent any VC any money on VC, but I, grinding it up and grinding a player just while I was waiting for the season to start, and the game started to feel so much better because my player started to feel powerful enough, like my two K nineteen player had. So you, they're actually presenting a worse experience out of the box. And, and I think that is something that has changed a lot with the last generation, with that shift towards my career, away from franchise modes into the career modes and the connected online modes, is that sometimes the game doesn't feel as good because you, you, you've got that uh, that disadvantage out of the box. Well, that's the the point. Is, I mean, the problem is is that they're pushing everything else but the NBA. Yeah. Or pushing, pushing microtransactions or the grind. Because either to get your player good again, as good, as good as it felt last year, you've either got to pay to get it up there quickly or grind. So either they get the money from the microtransactions or they can say, oh, look how many hours people are spending in the game. But are they having those great memories? Are they making those great memories, enjoying the time of the game? Or does it feel like work? I'd love for the next gen to feel... I, love, I want next gen games to feel like games and not work. Right, and I want to make a point too about what I just said—the whole NBA. That's not about the NBA, yep. and and this is the problem with NBA Live too. Is you know it used to be about going in and using the stars of the NBA and using their teams, and it used to be like it used to be jumping in and you know using Karl Malone, Kobe Bryant, Gary Payton, and Shaq for you know two thousand the O three O four team. You know yep. you were excited to that team on the floor what did you do when you first picked up that game you'd go to the nba teams and you'd put them on the floor and you'd be flying to the hoop with kobe and throwing down really fast unrealistic 360 dunks and you'd be you know and you would be really looking forward to jumping into a franchise or you'd be jumping into exhibition to play with your favorite nba team with already high overall players who could already do all the stuff on the court Right. And what's happening is, is, is it's moved on from the NBA experience to your, your not trying to, um, let's put almost like a, like a selfish experience with just your player. 
And it's all about how your player performs. And your player doesn't do well unless you spend a lot of money on VC or you grind for hours on end in order to your, for your player to feel right in your online setting. Right? Well, well, so you know, I feel like it's gone away from the, the NBA portion, and I think that that hurts people's first couple months with the game. Oh, I, I do. Well, it, it absolutely does. I, I wonder how many of the – because it, it's, it's got a bigger user base than ever, more sales than ever, etc. But I don't think a lot of people who actually play 2K are necessarily huge, hardcore basketball NBA fans, which is funny to say. Mm-hmm. But yep. because doing the trivia in the neighborhood in 2K19 to try to earn extra VC, if you can make it through and be the sole winner or one of the few winners, you, you share in the jackpot. And it was – I never did. Oh, I, I, I came close. I got to – got through nine questions correctly and got the 10th question wrong on two occasions and could, could kick myself on both occasions because I it was a silly mistake. But a lot, it's funny because the trivia, a lot of it is pop culture or general knowledge, not just NBA stuff. But the NBA questions were one of the ones that people got... They, they seemed to weed out a lot of people, the NBA questions. like And there was one who won the, the championship last year, which 2K19 would have been 2018, the Warriors. So... I think that eliminated about 50% of the couple of hundred thousand people who were doing trivia at the time when I was online. And it boggles the mind that in a basketball game that the basketball trivia, and not like, oh, which college did Michael Jordan go to, which a lot of people also got wrong, but if you're a younger gamer, maybe you don't know colleges and so, of players who've been retired for over 10 years you know, since before you started watching, but who won the championship last year? You think would there be a gimme question that everybody would get right? And maybe you get it wrong because either you're not you not that familiar with the NBA yet, or maybe you hit the wrong button or something and you picked the wrong question. But a lot of the questions that people were getting wrong, it's it's kind of like, did you even watch the NBA? Uh, do you even know what the NBA is? Kind of thing. It's it's funny. And and obviously, you know, I think video games introduced a lot of people to the NBA back in the '90s, and it was made the NBA very accessible. And in the early 2000s as well. So I think that's a way of people discovering the players and maybe that's, you know, not everyone's got the same encyclopedic knowledge of that. But it's just funny that it, it seems even more so that that, question, that it really highlights that maybe not everyone who's playing 2K is really into the NBA these days, which is funny when it's, it's, it's an NBA video game at its core. And it's basketball. Yeah. Basketball is the NBA. You know, it's it, what a difference. Think about it. So 10 years ago when they had the trivia in live, Think about the questions that were in the trivia. They were hard. Not not hard, but they were for you know for they they weren't like who won the championship. It was you know who it it, it was more a question about like awards or yeah. who, who did the this team face in the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. in this year or they were they were more sophisticated basketball questions. Yeah. that they were asking the game or that was on on there. But now, like you said, they're asking something as simple as who won the championship last year. Like, because they know who their user base is. Yeah. Right. And, and I agree. It's, it's, it's become less about the NBA, um, for, and, and that reflects in the on-court product and how they treat it certain content, whether it be the classic teams and, and the gameplay and the signatures and Luka Doncic having a zero on his step back. Yeah. And, and whatnot. So, yeah, I agree. And, and I, and I want, and I want it to be more about, the the on-court basketball action in the nba and um and maybe from i guess a business like maybe that sounds selfish on my part 
But, you know, when I pick up a game called NBA whatever, NBA 2K, NBA Live, NBA Inside 09, if I, um, you know, NBA Shootout, NBA In The Zone, if I, if I pick up a game with NBA at the beginning, you know, I'm picking up the game to play the NBA. That's right. Because it's an NBA game, and maybe that makes me an old head. But that's just the way I look at it. I mean, obviously so. we're in the same boat with this. One of the most refreshing things I've done with 2K20 is to play more non-My Career stuff where I'm not playing with my avatar, which is fun. It's still fun to mess around with, going there and mess around with. I, I've ended up messing around with it more than I thought I would this year, but I've also spent more time in my team and play now and looking to you know, get into a my league finally now with the you know, rosters fairly settled and whatever. It's been very refreshing to go back to that familiar experience because it's, it's, it is fresher because I, I've drifted away from it because of playing online with the guys in recent years. And it, it's reminded me, there's a, it's probably the stronger part of the game. For, for, for all the, the the lack of, and maybe, again, maybe it is just because it feels fresher after getting burned out on the other experience, but for, for, all, the, for all the lack of attention that it receives, it is still a very strong product. And I guess that's the, the this, what 2K is going into the next generation with. They've got a very solid base, which is more, more than life has in many respects, as far as it being a, a well-rounded product that does represent the NBA fairly deeply that 2K still has that. I mean, for all the things that it's lost, it still has a lot of great things, which is why I think the next generation, is it going to be as good as we want? Should we be in the golden age? Are we in the golden age that we should be? Is it still going to have problems like microtransactions? Yeah. Yes. No, etc. You know, answering those questions in order. Yes, it's still going to have the strong, uh, strong base. It's, it's going to have the microtransactions, but it's still going to have, you know, a traditional aspect to it. It's it's going to be in a good, it's going to be good for that respect and and across most parts. Is it going to be in the golden age that we? Is it going to be the golden age we think it's going to be or should be? Time will tell. But I, I think uh, maybe a few bubbles are going to have to burst before we get there. I'm just going to say fingers crossed. Yeah, that's... I'm going to do about to get feedback. That's what you and I do a lot of. We give feedback, um, and we hope people that are listen. We hope people are listening, and we hope that you know maybe people are listen that listen or talking about the same things that we're talking about and giving their feedback and hopefully they're looking at our feedback in general. So, um, I, that's the best we can do. Um, and like I said, just fingers crossed. I, I, I really want, I want next gen to be great. And I've been very disappointed in the last three NBA two K's, um, overall and overall disappointed with live, you know, for the last 13 years. So, Fingers crossed for both series, honestly. We're not giving up on them just yet. We're still basketball gamers at heart because we do love the games, same as we still check out the NBA, but hopefully a few things will change on on both fronts for us to uh, enjoy a little bit more for the quality to come up. And and just to end on a light-hearted note, this whole uh, very interesting discussion, always fun to talk about and speculate these these things, Uh, but hopefully with all that extra processing power of the next generation, realistic shoelace physics, finally, what the game really needs. You know, the fact that my guy, my player, will dr- bend down to tie his shoes and he's grabbing nothing. Yeah. I just... Oh, you know, pre- pre-order cancelled. You know. <laughs> exactly. How could they even release these games when, you know, he should be... If, when he bends down, he should be grabbing onto his shoelace and actually tying his shoes. Don't and, don't give me a fake animation. Come on. And not just that, but maybe sometimes he fumbles the laces, you know, and then maybe, you know, that's the first year... Maybe Maybe he's maybe he tries to recover on defense, which nobody does in the NBA now in real life. But let's <laughs> say he tries to recover on defense and he trips over his shoelace. How realistic? That's immersion. 
Yeah, play, players losing the shoe. And then you've got the mini game where you, maybe you can pick up the shoe and toss it into the crowd, you know, avoid it. You know, maybe you get teed up for it. All these mini games, and, that, and that's what it's all about, you know. But <laughs> in all seriousness, yeah, ne- next gen, it's hard not to be cynical, but it could bring a wealth of, uh, of new experiences and, and great new developments to the game. And, and again, fingers crossed. Innovate and please pay attention to the on-court product if you're listening. Anybody, if anybody's listening that is a decision maker, please bring, 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 put the focus on the, uh, the on-court product and just make a great basketball video game between the lines and still appeal to multiple demographics and just wow us, please. And, and also, uh, for all those people asking for a creator fan to be put in the game, uh, that can wait. I just, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, you know what you could give us, though, because people love... Uh, they're sick of the same old scoreboard. Give, give us a scoreboard creator. Ooh. Let us create a scoreboard. That is, that is something I've never thought of and now sometimes, somehow kind of would like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, that, that would be something. NBA Live, jump on that. and Just don't let – make it good so 2K doesn't do it better. <laughs> That's right. My scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that has brought us to the end of a very interesting discussion, certainly, in my opinion. I'm sure yours too, D. And always fun to talk about these things. Um definitely want to hear what everybody else thinks so let us know in the comments or in the forum or on social media what uh, what do you think of this last generation of basketball gaming or the, the, what is still the current generation as of this uh, recording december 15th uh, and uh, 2019 uh, also let us know what you think of the next generation what you're expecting to see what you're hoping to see what you're hoping not to see i suppose and and yeah what they can do to uh, what both ea and 2k can do to really blow you away on the next generation because obviously basketball games have come a long way we've talked about that on many shows before but uh, we still want to be impressed. So uh, let's see what the what the future holds, and, and hopefully it's more good news. But uh, that has brought us to the end of episode number 304 of the NLC podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me once again, Dee. It's been great to have you on, and uh, hopefully as we continue to record these, we'll be able to get you on uh, yeah, in um, for the rest of the year and in the new year. No, this is a great discussion. I hope we, um, we have um, – I think this is our best one yet, honestly, as far as like everything that we've covered and the detail we've gone into. Um, I hope that we get a lot of people – listening to it and hopefully talking about it as well as far as the topics that we covered today i'll uh, go into how people can listen to us in a moment but uh anything you'd like to plug uh, this week um yeah so um you can connect with me over on the nlvc um also on the nlsc uh, my name is d for free on there um same on youtube my name is d for free and on twitter at d for free 84 please follow me um i'm constantly tweeting out and talking about basketball and basketball video games mostly more about the real nba but also sometimes about video games um and would love to have you follow me and join in the, uh, on the uh on the discussion and uh, anything uh, on the modding front you want to talk about or quickly plug? Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm working on a 2K16 Ultimate Classic Teams roster, which is going to add between 15 and 20 new classic teams to the game. So if you still have that installed, or even if you don't, you can reinstall it. And when that's released, you can plug that in. Um, I'm also looking at updating... Um, the ultimate classic teams roster that I have for NBA 2K17, which right now has 40 new complete classic teams and the default classic teams filled. I'll also be adding another five or so teams and releasing a version three of that. So keep an eye out for that. Um, go into the NBA 2K16 modding section and the 2K17 modding section section to look at those updates. Excellent. Looking forward to those. Uh, for, for me, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Andrew NLSC. 
as far as my modding projects, I've just made a, a lot of progress on the NBA 2K11 mod, the current roster update D. Um, there's now at least, every team at least has uh, 12 real players, which considering how many players you have to create uh, for a game that came out in 2010 to update it for 2020, uh, that's a lot of players that have been added. Uh, still a ways to go as far as getting the faces done and on all the ratings, etc. But we're starting to it's really starting to take uh, shape and looking forward to getting that out, especially as I have a few other modding ideas that I'd love to explore. But I, I do want to get this uh, big project done because it's fallen through a couple of times as far as a couple of seasons worth of uh, updates trying to get it done. But uh, looking forward to getting that out. I, I'd love to get it out by Christmas. Uh, I'll have more details in the next episode of Making a Mod, episode three, which will be out soon and I'll go into more detail. But uh, yeah, it's coming together, Dean. I'm looking forward to getting it out because it's uh, again been in, in production for a couple of years at least and uh, yeah just seeing it come together as you know when a roster comes together it's uh, very cool to, to very cool feeling as a modder especially full conversion mods yep those yeah. are the toughest and then and i saw the carmelo anthony with the blazer screenshot um and i obviously love seeing that but it's it's just so much work to um basically you know if you're going back to um, 2011 you have to touch up every single player on every team yeah and that's just so many players and it's all the artwork and the jerseys and the faces and the logos and and the portraits if you want them and in the courts and even sometimes stadiums it's just the amount of work that goes into it um i don't think people who don't mod on the regular or, or are not part of the modding community see how much work um goes into it and how many hours and it's just unbelievable and the amount of and if you want to write the attention to detail on all the signatures and ratings and tendencies and whatnot so i applaud you for that effort and i can't wait to um get my hands on it whether you release a demo or you just release the full version first that's uh and that is something i'll have to decide as far as how much assets i have in place but uh looking forward to getting it done no that's probably something we should talk about actually at some point uh, on the podcast uh the whole whole roster modding that'd be a very interesting discussion i think to get into sometime no absolutely and and you know uh i haven't been modding the newer games last three that much but i did a ton of modding on 2k 16 and 17 so i definitely can engage in that discussion and um i'm obviously always following the uh the other forums and all the great work that's being done for 2k 20 so stay tuned for that probably we'll come back to that uh, topic absolutely also stay tuned for more updates on uh both these projects and, and mine will have more information in the forum. You can check them out in the various sections, 2K11, 2K16, 2K17, etc. And, of course, the rest of everything that our modding community is doing. Uh, make sure you make use of our uh, upload facilities and whatnot. And in, as long as you're enjoying the NLSC and all the facilities that we have for basketball games, that is the, uh, the main thing. But, yes, do stay tuned for more information on that. Uh, once again, you can connect with me on uh, social media. I'm on Twitter at uh, AndrewNLSC. The NLSC's Twitter is the NLSC. We're also the NLSC on Facebook. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. On YouTube, we are NBA Live Series Center. And, of course, the site itself is nba-live.com, everything we do for basketball video games. There is a lot. Uh, hope you check in with us uh, daily or certainly on the regular to see what we're doing. As for the podcast, we're on various podcatching apps and platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, we're on the NLSC itself. Once again, nba-live.com. However you'd like to tune in and listen to the show, as long as you're enjoying the show each and every week, that is the main thing. But certainly if you are listening to us on those various platforms, such as Spotify or uh, or Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate any uh, any positive reviews. It certainly helps with our visibility and, and to let us know that we're doing a good job. And, and of course, let us know in the forum and on the comments section on the bulletins and on social media how you feel about the podcast. If you have any uh, topic suggestions or any, any other feedback, any other thoughts on the topics that we discussed, we want to hear them. 
But yes, that has brought us to the end of episode number 304 of the NLC podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>